Hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and you're watching the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Welcome back to another vital MX Moto X Pod show presented by Race Tech and Boyson. Tonight we have a privateer, Kevin Morans, who pulled a couple hole shots this weekend and even led the 450 main for just a few moments. <clears throat> really excited to talk to him about that. We also have former factory rider Cole Seeley making his return to the Monster Energy Supercross this weekend. Should be a lot of fun with those guys. Before we get into the show, let me introduce in studio as normal. Scotty Thompson, what's up, Scotty? Oh, not much. Just, just hanging out and ready to see what old Island Boy over here has got to say. And I just don't even know what to say about the shirt he's got on. It's <laughs> god awful. It's amazing. So, also in studio, it's about damn time. TJ Smith, what's going on, TJ? What's up, guys? Good to have you in. You really? Uh, like, not I, really. I, no. I'd say I've just got completely trashed the whole time I've sat here. <laughs> you I look not. like a homeless person. Well, we have man. This is a homeless. This is. I'm like, I just. You look like a homeless person. It, also, the beautiful weather outside. The, the yeah. shirt with the with, with the your with your coconut tits tree kind of showing through. <laughs> Nipples. Anyway, also on the phone, my buddy from Vital MX, Michael Lindsay. What's going on, ML? Thank goodness I remembered how to turn my own mute button off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you didn't, it wouldn't be anything unusual for this show. So it'd be all right. So good to have you on. Uh, how's sunny California? It's not sunny. It rained again today. What it, is going it, on it with the world? Out, outdoor testing. A bunch of the, the teams are in town, particularly all the uh, uh, Austrian manufacturers because of the new uh, HQ grand opening we actually went to last night. Um, yeah, all their all their groups tried to go out and test up holiday and it got a cut, or sorry, box raceway and it got cut short because it decided to downpour again. It's been rain every week since the beginning of the year and I, I don't know what it is. I blame Lewis and Sean. They have somehow <laughs> brought their Britain, their uh, English uh, weather with them. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. I'm born and raised in SoCal. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it's unusual. I want to ask you about the KTM, uh, the new shop and everything here in a second. But I want to talk about our presenting sponsor. This is the Boyson Intake Discussion Segment. Boyson uh, is excited to spotlight Boyson's factory racing rider support program, a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. So join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers. Visit boyson.com and apply today. Yeah, ML, talk about the uh, the KTM intro, or the I guess it's their shop intro. I don't know exactly what the title was, but like everybody from KTM was there, right? The factory riders, the off-road riders, the GP guys, I think were there. No, no GP guys. Okay, no GP guys. Um, so it's it's actually Pierre Mobility. A lot of people on the North American side don't recognize um, the the parent company name, but Pierre Mobility owned by Stefan Pierre, and you know they have a board directors and investors and everything. But uh, that is actually the parent company of the entire group. So KTM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas, now MV Augusta, uh, Felt Bicycles, all that is under that uh, umbrella. So the new HQ, that's actually what it says all over, is um, Pierre Mobility. It's right up the street from their old HQ, uh, right on the Temecula Marietta, California border. They basically bought this property. 
uh, custom built this new campus, uh, three buildings totaling 122,000 square feet, $53 million. Um, one building alone is dedicated just to racing. That's all it is. It's, it's R and D WP suspension engine departments, every race team all lumped in into, into one kind of grand design. Um, and that's really a big part of what they wanted to show off outside of the, you know, the main headquarters that has the offices and the design studio and things of that. It was, it was a big part of it was showing that, you know, a solid, almost half of the square feet on the campus is just dedicated to racing. Um, so they brought out all their U.S. Uh, athletes, motocross, supercross, GNCC, flat track. Um, you know, they had dignitaries from Riverside County. The entire KTM Austrian board came over, Mr. Pierre himself. Um, I don't know. There's probably seven, 800 of us there, it seemed like. It was it was a very busy event. Everybody, guys from Feld, uh, racetrack South, like David Coombs came out, um, Prater, like whole nine yards. Yeah, what was the most impressive thing you saw there? Um, I... Definitely the race shop was impressive. Um, it's laid out with like suspension engine departments more in the kind of in the center of the building and then surrounded by all the race teams. And in their prior setup, and, and not for any particular reason, just more as it grew, like the KTM building had race area for KTM's um, avenues. And then they had a Husky building next door that had a small race shop area and then off-roads or in an off-site. Like everybody had a different work area. They, they went about making every area completely even and fair, which mm. was really cool. So whether it's amateur squad, whether it's Blair's, you know, his boys work area, uh, the flat track team, uh, Red Bull KTM, they all have identical shops. Uh, you can make everybody take their tools, move down a door to the next shop and they'd have the same workspace. So they've given, you know, kind of everybody in there, the same tools, uh, regardless of where they are to, you know, maybe kind of eliminate some of the status, um, um between the efforts. So I thought that was super impressive. And yeah, just all under one roof is as dumb as it sounds. It just makes communication for those guys easy. You could be, you know, the boys in the TLD shop, pop out, walk down 50 feet to the next door, pop in, ask the Rockstar Husky guys, hey, we were thinking about trying this, you know, this race, this offset. Uh, you guys tried it with well, Malcolm before, like, what, what, what feedback did you get? Or like, hey, we're thinking about trying this. Have you gotten any feedback like that from your guys? Um, yeah, just impressive that a lot of brands, of course, are leaving Southern California and the fact that they doubled down and put that much money um, into a completely one-off campus here, um, and invested into it, you know, for me being born and raised out here, uh, I appreciate it. I actually got to talk to Mr. Pierre himself. Uh, first time I think I've shook a billionaire's hand. Uh, <laughs> I, I just told him, I'm like, Hey man, I'm, I'm born and raised here from about 15 minutes from here. I, I just really appreciate that you, you know, put your money where your mouth is with racing and, uh, putting everybody up here. And he was definitely very passionate about that aspect, especially. Do they have that same setup? Like, Oh, like in Europe or whatever, where they're all together, all working like that same thing, or is that just a, what they're doing um, here in the States? Similar. So the, the HQ here is definitely based off the Austrian one. The Austrian one, I think is actually a little bigger, but the U S one is, is more money. I mean, it's in California, right? Um, the race shops, not quite because race, you know, the, the HQ is in Austria. It does have racing areas, development, suspension engines, like all that kind of in one house and design, etc. However, in Europe, most of the race teams commonly operate out of their satellite shop. So like KTM and Husqvarna work out of the satellite shops uh, near near the sand tracks in Belgium. Like yeah. every team is based out there. And then like Claudio De Carle, the Red Bull, uh, the gas gas operations in Italy. So the race shops aren't there. But the rest of it, there is, again, there's racing areas. It's still modeled pretty closely after it. Some of the Enduro stuff's done out there. Um, they told me one of the biggest differences is that the Austrian building is almost all glass. Um, they put as much glass in this one as they could, but uh, 
the racing areas are a little more covered up because I think as I joked with Ian Harrison, he said we had to tell him, uh, you know, this is Southern California. We'll burn yeah. <laughs> yeah. if we do all glass walls. <laughs> it, it, I was really surprised that they did that there in California with the whole training and where all the riders are and all that stuff in Florida. I think that was the most surprising thing to me was, I mean, literally on the other side. I, I don't know if they just didn't realize how big the United States was. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh they felt like you know pierre talked about when he first uh bought the ktm brand back in like 92 about 30 years ago um bought out bankruptcy you know at the time the racing industry uh in in the u.s or motorcycle industry which they still say you know the u.s is their largest market um the company produces a little over two billion dollars in sales and 1.1 billion of that is just the u.s market wow Um, they want it in california that's where everything was. They started in San Diego. They still believe in the industry still kind of being hosted and based here. Um, some of their suppliers being out here. And the other thing is like they still, they also have the investment. They're very unique that they have two or three supercross test tracks, um, and Duracross test track, all this stuff. They built this facility a quarter of a mile from the HQ. So their guys can literally ride. They don't ride down the road because legal issues. I don't think they want to do it. They put everything in the van and drive literally a minute and they are at their test tracks. Yeah. Um, so they have all their ability tests here. It is unique that their, their athletes do in Florida, but they wouldn't move the entire business out to where, like I said, this is their HQ for design for customer service, everything. The, the, even though I talk about the motorsports campus, um, you know, it's, it, it makes sense. They, but I think that's another thing, even though it's, it's technically Alden's place, they've helped commit to that. It's, it's very impressive what they have here, what they've committed to there. Um, you know, compared to other teams that maybe let the riders sort of pick them and choose where they're at. They've kind of put roots down on both, both sides of the coast where they put their money in. Yeah. Very impressive. I, I want to check that place out next time I'm out there. <clears throat> Let's get to, uh, we're coming off Seattle and I want to touch on Chase Sexton. It's been talked about the issues that he's had a, another freaky crash, but what I want to know, TJ, I'm going to go to you first. Just everybody is, we're predicting he's going to go to KTM. I don't think that's, uh, been locked in just yet officially but do you think i'm starting to get to a point where i feel like this is just chase and i wonder if changing brands changes anything like i'm kind of getting worried about chase sexton's career to be honest yeah i mean we it was kind of the same thing with kenny he was like kind of kind of pointing towards the bike kind of pointing towards the bike and then how suzuki is going to revitalize him or wherever he goes and then it didn't change as much as we thought it would and especially not in a positive way so maybe it is just chase but i guess a certain riding style could fit certain bikes because remember whenever um villapoto was the main guy behind the kt i mean the the kawasaki's the bike was such a rear steering bike Mm -hmm. it was designed for him i don't know if honda is designing their bike around chase where you have the Austrian companies who will probably do that more towards their top guys than Honda would, I would think. Yeah. Honda's not, we've heard from Kenny and even Cole a little bit that Honda's not quite as open to rider input anyway there. I think they've been a little bit better this season, but yeah, you might be right. Uh, ML, what do you think, man? I, I, I know you probably have more details about the bikes and what how they perform with these guys and what they'll be willing to do with with Chase. But could Chase be a guy that almost is a not a flop, but just doesn't win a championship? He has too many problems. Um, the change at least could answer one thing for him if it is him or the bike. Um, at least you know going there could possibly accept that. Um, I think as with anybody, eventually 
sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Um, he may be able to accept their help more, uh, maybe in understanding some of the issues. If it is him with setup, the way he rides, if it is the bike, um, you know, it is going to a very opposite end, going to a steel frame. They run big front forks, a lot of things. Maybe they, maybe they can get the the front end character that he's looking for, the hold up, the ability for it to not give way. However, I also like I've kind of talked about last couple weeks is. I personally admire the opinion when they talk about, oh, he's pushing the bike beyond what it is. Well, we kind of get into the the old James argument of that point. Like, well, if you're pushing it beyond what it's capable of and we can't get it there, maybe we need to consider other options in mm. terms of, you know, how you ride the bike, where you're pressuring the front end when you're doing it. Um, uh, it's, I don't think going there, it's just going to be the magic answer. I can't say it's just like, oh yeah, he's going to get on a different bike and it's going to be better. I think it's going to be a host of things. He's going to learn, okay, yeah, maybe it does support him better in ways. Um, maybe people there have ideas to help get him there and not that there isn't smart enough people at Honda. It's just maybe they've been around each other so long and they've spun past some of them, something. It, it, it's going to be a host of things. If they figure it out, it will be a combination of the bike, the staff, and Chase Hall learning. Do, do we think that like... It's just a, the way that all the manufacturers are going to go because think back to when Ricky used to have his handlebars down on the gas <laughs> tank and, and the crazy chopper out setup he had and then Stuart with like forks that did not move and that kind of stuff. But nowadays you don't hear about such a thing. Do you think the, the technology has gotten to where they pretty much know what the bike's going to do and they can and they know what's right and the riders are going to have to adapt? I think with certain OEMs, you have to get to that point. Like it's, it's, you know, you have Kenny's comment related to the Honda and you talked to everybody else that was there and talked about how weird his setup was like super rear end high, super stiff rear kind of soft front. Uh, the Honda already has weird front end character issues. Did he load the bike? Like I, I think of when I hear like auto racing, I hear formula one guys. I hear like Lando Nort, like last year, McLaren was struggling a lot. And a lot of people saw Lando heavily outperforming, uh, Danny Ricardo and a lot of people thought, Oh, the car's just suited more for Lando and Lando kept saying, no, the car doesn't drive how I want to drive at all. I've had to adapt to that. And you hear drivers hit a team where, yes, yeah, sometimes it is developed around person. The other person there has to change, um, their way more. And, it's so interesting because in moto there is so many way to skin skin a cat look at how eli rides look how justin rides look how kenny rides look how chase rides they all ride they do certain things the same you know basic fundamentals and there are certain things they do so different but somehow we can end up with the the same result of lap time pretty close to uh similar results um i do i think at a certain point with the rider sometimes you have to accept that the bike cannot do things in the way i want it to and if we chase it so far that direction, we may hinder it in other places. Maybe they have to accept more often that they have to change. Um, and I don't know if that's just difficult in our sport for some guys to to handle and be able to mentally be okay with. Scott, I want to go to you. One of the reasons I asked this is <clears throat> at by this point, Chase should know, okay, this bike keeps doing this. Whether I'm pushing too hard or whatever the reason is, it does keep doing this. I need to change something and i feel like there's a mental block there or something that he's not understanding why the bike's doing this so if he goes somewhere else what's to say he's not gonna keep, just continue having the same problem because he doesn't seem to understand or figure out mentally like i need to back it down or i need to change something so it doesn't keep happening and this weekend with like when you could hear ricky's voice he was just so disgusted mm -hmm. when he's like Oh no, you know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it, it, he was just like, 
he was so frustrated because he couldn't believe it. And I'm kind of getting to that point where like, this is on you, Chase. You've got to figure something out mentally to stop doing this. And it's really bizarre. It always happens at like the nine minute mark. Seems like, like I was like watching the race, like, Oh, he's got this. I was like, wait, we're, we're not past 10 minutes yet. And then soon enough, <laughs> nine, nine minutes, nine minutes, 40 something seconds on the clock. And poof, there you, you hear goes. the crowd go crazy. Yeah. You know, like you but, don't even wonder anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. It's like, Oh, I'm, that's, hey, there it is. But you know, the way I kind of look at it, though, honestly, is we've seen a lot of guys kind of go through this same struggle a little bit. I mean, it was only four years ago that we said this. We were still saying the same thing about Eli. Is is, is he ever going to get this championship? You know, that's a good point. Why? Why does he always keep happening? You know, he's faster than everybody, and he can't do it. And you know, so it wasn't that long ago that we were having that conversation, and that script has totally flipped now to where you know Tomac is a legend of the sport now and has noticed one of the greats because he's got those championships. So I don't think it's over for him yet. I just think that he's going to have to go through this learning curve, just like a lot of other people did. Ricky went through it. You know, is he going to be another James Stewart where he he doesn't ever seem to figure it out? I mean, Stewart got two championships, so he did something right. But I think it's, I think it's not much different than what anybody else has gone through. That's had the speed that he has. Hey, ML, I'm in trouble. What'd you do already? Well, I just got a text from Lewis who's listening. Oh, he, he's actually listening. Yeah. Oh, he's up. He, oh. he, he says, you were worried about Chase's career, all in caps. You're blocked. <laughs> <laughs> but no, hey. to the point there earlier, it's yeah. it's still early and guys have been this fast and figure out. It's just learning how to manage a season, to execute. It's all things that will come to him. And like I said, it sucks. Maybe it does need to be a change of scenery, a reset for him. Maybe it, it can't happen in this situation. Um, he'll get there. It's going to happen. It, he's one of those guys you look at him, you're just like, you, you're almost in disbelief if it ever wouldn't happen. He will figure it out at some point. But I think a tough one, again, is the two guys he's racing, it's not quite the length of legacy, but I mean, Tomac and Webb are our current Dungy Villo. They won the last four titles between them. Before that, it was the Dungy Villo era. These are guys that have learned, have become veterans. They know how to execute. They know how to do it. Chase is still young. Mm-hmm. He'll get there. It just sucks he's really going up against these two guys. And again, the fact that they're comboed both on really good years, it would be one thing to look at the gap he's facing right now or even just some of the battles this season. If it was only Eli he was facing off against or only Cooper, you know, there there would be different ways to handle it. But take taking on both of them, it's tough. You just, again, they're guys that have gone to the point they don't really have terrible nights. Yes, Eli's had some off nights this year, but they aren't. Even even Chase's issues, and it's why I think he, you know, like in Lewis's case, and somebody like there was the ability to defend. It is even Chase's nights where he would go down. Like it wasn't a terrible result. None of these guys have crashed. None of these guys have had a Plessinger yet where they have crashed out of the main and like leading and finished thirteenth or fourteenth. You know, last person on lead lap. None of them have had that yet. We haven't had a truly bad race out of one of them. And uh, again, if it wasn't for the two guys, he would be going up against. I think Chase's season would still look pretty fantastic on on paper. Well, yeah, it, that's what's probably the most frustrating thing is he legitimately has been the fastest guy, fastest qualifier almost every week. Uh, I mean, even in Seattle, he his heat race, he almost caught or he did catch Cooper right at the end. He was two seconds down and made that up in just a couple of laps. I mean, he is the fastest guy, and it's so frustrating that these things just keep happening. But this one in Seattle, like I said, it was ju- it just sort of. Well, hang on, you both want to talk. Well, I just had a question uh, for you guys. Go ahead. Um, do you think the finger gun got into Chase's head no. at all? No. <laughs> oh, okay, no. Jesus. No. We're gonna, I'm going to hey, bring, up the, we're gonna bring hey, the finger it, gun up in a second. It all that. happened. But 
Um, yeah, it was just frustrating because you see the talent, you see the skill, and the same thing keeps happening. And you just like at this point, it's like you just expect it. And I don't like that. I don't want that for Chase. What did you have, TJ? Well, I was going to say, do you, is there any chance that the that Jet coming up? Like he knows that his time for multiple championships and stuff like that is going to be under fire when you have somebody like Jet moving up. It's like I'm pressuring myself, I'm pushing because I got to get up there now and assert the dominance. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I I do believe that Jet's going to be a force at least the second year. Yeah, you know, minimum. I can't imagine that Chase is even worried about Jet right now. He's wor- he's he's got Tomac Cooper and, and Eli to worry yeah. about and. I would say he's yeah. facing. It's not like he doesn't have real competition yeah. right now. Like, don't get me wrong. We none of us can predict what Jet's career is going to look like. But again, we're talking about where Eli is in the win records and stuff. Mm. He's with a force right now. It doesn't change. It's you're on the starting gate. You have competition. Doesn't yeah. it? Doesn't change. Um, I think there's definitely, of course, pressure. It's not as pressure of Jet. It's pressure to beat yeah. the guys he wants to beat right now. He wants to beat Eli before he hangs it up. He wants to stop the second coming of. Because Cooper is not that old. It's like, well, you don't want Coop to to go on a couple, like to really get into a groove again and be in the championship hunt. Um, it, it's not only Jet coming up, it's he wants to assert his dominance over the guys leaving, the one he's going to yeah. have to race for a couple more years. He wants to show the guys coming up that he's the guy. Yep. He wants to prove to himself he's the guy. It, it's everything. Hey, all of us here have bikes, except, well, Scotty. Yeah. Now, I was going to ask, did the new KTM shop have any camshafts lying around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Could have <laughs> grabbed one. Could have ML grab you one off one of the trays. Yeah, sweet. Uh, <laughs> I have a race piston. They let me take home one of those. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but all of our bikes have suspension. Mm. Need to service your suspension. Tune your suspension to your to your weight, to your speed, to your ability. You got to check out racetech.com. They have service centers all over the country with techs that generally are at your local tracks riding. You could talk to, you can watch them ride. You can kind of get information, share information back and forth. This week's service center uh, tech is uh, PDR Performance in Minnesota. Clay Olson does my stuff. He's a good guy up there. If you're in the Minnesota area, reach out to PDR Performance. Talk to Clay. He'll get you fixed up. He's got my YZ250 hooked up now. I had some issues with it. He's got my, or the the vital Husky 350 that ML is probably not going to ever get back. It's do you think that they have the skills to make sure your bike doesn't front flip down a straightaway? I think so. Yeah, I think they do. So check out racetech.com and look for your local Racetech service center. They want to help you. They get you dialed in. Check them out. Uh, before we get to our first guest, let's quickly talk about Cooper Webb. Uh, terrible qualifying, Scotty. It, might, I mean, like the worst. Wasn't good. it was the worst qualifying he's had all year. Ninth. I actually said that in the press conference. Uh, that, that and I instantly remembered ML or uh, Lewis saying that all I do is ask negative questions to start interviews. So I brought up his poor qualifying, but then he wins a heat. You know, he's he's second in the main. He did wasn't really catching Eli, but you just never know what you're going to get out of Cooper. The the qualifying matters not, but really what I want to ask about is the finger thing, the finger gun that you talked mm-hmm. about in the heat race looks back as chase is about to catch him and pass him one more lap. Chase has him kind of cocky. Yeah. Maybe playing mental games, but is it disrespectful to a guy like chase? No. And I, I don't think it is. And you said like, y'all were saying that, no, it didn't affect chase, whether it affected chase or not. I mean, that's nobody well, knows except for chase. If I'm chase. But, I'm laughing. I'm like, dude, I had you, but what I'm, but what I'm saying is that the intent from what Cooper did was 
to get into his head. You know, he's just he plays those games. He's known for screaming on the line and doing all that stuff. And I don't think I think he knows. I think he did it because he knows Chase is, would be the most susceptible to that out of any of the other guys. I don't think Barshik is really phased by that. I don't think Tomac does. I don't think Chase really got phased by it either, but I think his thought was that one that person is the most susceptible to doing something like that, okay. and he's going to be thinking about that when he has a lead. But to go back to what you first started with, um, I think that's, you know, that's Cooper's MO is to maybe not look that great in qualifying, and he just finds a way done, and you, you know... You said that he's hasn't, you know, he hasn't been off the podium this year, like really. I mean, there's a couple of races, but for the most part, he's been right there, and and that's what's put him with the red plate. So I think that it's calculated with him. He knows exactly what he's trying to do. He knows what needs to be done, and qualifying ninth obviously didn't af- affect <laughs> no, the, didn't. the results. So it's no. it's like he puts, you know, he puts the money where the mouth is when it's time to. Uh, TJ, the, the respect thing, though, again. Yeah, he did it to Kenny a couple years ago. I don't see him doing that if that's Eli behind him. This is what kind of I, I wonder like how Cooper sees Chase compared to Eli in this championship. If there's the same respect competitive wise, I, I don't think there's anybody that he wouldn't do that stuff to or play okay. the games with. I mean, it's it's Webb. He's like that's just who he is, which is I think it's awesome, but. I uh, yeah I don't see him do not doing that to anybody if that makes sense I mean he, when he was down there on the line yelling everybody was down there that's true you the, know he's not he's not bashful about the it. the finger point thing ML is just a little like it is it's cool it's kind of funny it's kind of it's cool in a way but then at the same time it's like man it's just real easy for that to bite you in the ass like oh yeah okay now let me show you how it's done in Did the main it? event but it didn't yeah exactly. <laughs> It's he, it's it's whatever. Basically, at the end of the day, Coop's a character. He has this thing to read too much into any of this. Okay, so we're all sitting here. Did it affect Chase? Well, it affected all of us sitting here talking about it. Because <laughs> we're the only ones that seem to give a damn. Yeah. Okay. No, at the end of the day, it doesn't it really. Yeah, it's mail games up, but at the same time, yeah, Chase caught him. It didn't really do anything. Me. I think the only thing I didn't like about it, real quick, is. Him going, yeah, it was a mental game. He, he, the best way to handle this, I'm just having fun. Did he say that? I don't, he did. He okay. did. He did. He did bring it up in the press conference, and he said that, yeah, you know, it, you know, I'm just doing that to mess with the guys. Just, I mean, that's kind of weird to me. But if he came out there and said, hey, I'm just having fun, we're out there racing, and whatever, then I think that would be more of a mental game than being, than trying to tell them I'm having a mental game with you, kind of. Yeah. Thing. It, all right, ML. Oh, I was going to say. So, do you you don't think that out of all of those people, Ch- uh, Cooper thinks that Chase is more or less susceptible than any of any of the, the other top guys? Three? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would say of the top three, he that's most likely if he, he thinks, thinks that. Yeah. Yes, uh, ML of the let's say the top five top guys in the four fifty class. Who do you think would be the most susceptible to a mental game? Well, if it involves Cooper Webb, it's Ken Roxon. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was proven a couple years ago. All right, yeah. fair yeah. enough. History speaks. We've already, we've already seen history has already shown us this. Yeah, uh, Scotty, who do you think of those guys? That, the top, the top challenge that Cooper thinks. Just no, in general, who that, who do you think would be the most susceptible to that? Like you know, you got uh, AC, you got I, Kenny, to, to uh, be Jason a, Anderson. To Barsha. be honest with you, I think I think Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, think he would get. Probably, I think he would be more worried say. about beating him than actually yeah, the what's. Well, what would what the problem would is Anderson race. has to be there. Yeah, I mean that's right. a good point, but 
I'm just thinking of the of the time. He's top five guys, so I'm just thinking this was the question. Yeah, I think I, that's actually to me that's not a bad answer because we've seen what he's done this year, where he should be racing ahead, and he's too worried about other people, and mm-hmm. even last year, and then he makes these stupid mistakes. And, and I brought that up to him in Houston, and he's sort of like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to. He said that it's hard for a tiger to change a stripe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a fair answer. Um, the track ML. So we, Seattle got some rain. And they tarped it, and I just want to give props, all of us can talk about it, but the track was very rough, but I feel like the track crew this year has done a fantastic job of when there has been issues, keeping the track in decent condition and making it raceable. Uh, Just, yeah, props to the track. I thought it was a lot better than it could have been, ML. Um. No, I think just in general, yeah, tracks. I, I, I'm always on the fence, though, with the track thing. Like, okay. I'm always bummed because there's not enough variation. I still think all the Supercross tracks are too cookie-cutter week in and week out. Like, I just look, I'm all, and you're like, oh, they're going to go two, three, this, this, this. <laughs> um, no, but prep-wise, um, with some of the weather they've dealt with rounds, yeah. Their work size, like, it, it's very easy to to criticize little things on the track like I just did. Um, but they put these things together every week. They have managed us through some pretty terrible situations with weather and gotten us a raceable track. Um, again, with the Oakland situation earlier, this year, that's the first time basically in forever they've had, you know, basically they've been beaten. Um, no, they always get it, get it to us every weekend. And honestly, it was a lot better than I expected considering the, the photos I saw in the morning and the fact that usually Seattle is the dirt's already pretty saturated. It seems like when they get it into the floor, just, I don't know if it's an outdoor kept or just never removes the moisture through the mm-hmm. year. Um, I was expecting worse. Um, I, you know, the guys definitely did struggle with the rhythm lanes, the way they were built, particularly the two fifties, but I thought visually it Indy looked worse from, from our standpoint. I agree, and I want to come back to some more track talk, but I think we have our first guest on the of the night on the line, and he's going to be brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. Andy Andy Gray at Guts Racing, uh, their crew is brought. Boy, I'm screwing this up. Guts Racing crew has been <laughs> providing the best seat and foam in the industry for years. For 2023, they have added the Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup as well as the color teal to the gripper material options available. Also new for 2023 are options for your e bikes. They have complete seats for the Telaria, the Super 73, and covers for Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. Visit GutsRacing.com. Place your order today. Uh, GutsRacing.com brings us our first guest of the night, privateer Kevin Moran. What's going on, Kevin? How's it going, guys? It's good going, to be here. Yeah, it's going good, dude. Good to talk to you. Dude, first of all, what you got under the hood of that thing? <laughs> what <are> you... <laughs> Dude, I had so many people tell me, ask me that too. Like, oh, dude, you got a big boy. You got what? What you got? I'm like, dude, I would love it for them to protest me and tear my bike down. I would video everything <laughs> just so then when they see that it legitimately is a stock bike, I would just laugh. Hey, the funny thing, I was gonna ask, like, did you forget to turn the nitrous off going into that corner? <laughs> is that what? Yeah. <laughs> well, trust me, I was like, because okay, so like, kind of how I explain with you guys probably have already seen like the interviews and stuff like that. But the biggest thing for me is obviously trying to prove myself to get some kind of supported rider factory ride, right? So obviously being able to start like that, that's good. And I proved that even last weekend or two weekends ago when I started fourth. But when I started fourth, I was kind of like, you know, I was freaking out to an extent. I was more worried about the people that were behind me, everything that was going on, being up there so far and not really focusing forward. So that was like the key thing, even though, yes, I obviously went off the track pretty dang quick. But that was the biggest thing that transitioned for this week is when I did get that good start and I even kind of like fought back with sex in a little yeah. bit, like going over the finish line, I was fully focused. Like I was calm. I knew my situation. 
yes, I know I'm not as fast as those guys yet. Uh, yes, I knew they were going to get around me. But I just told myself, I was like, dude, just try to keep this as long as you can Absolutely. and fight for as long as you can. Even if you tucker out and you end up last, like just keep this as long as you can. So obviously went to the next section and I just, I hit that triple out the same way I was hitting it in the heat. But obviously we get a sight lap. I just rolled it during the sight lap and it's different from the heat. So when I hit it, I kind of, you, you'll see in the video, I kind of like, like pucker up a little bit because I hit a kicker going off of it, but I just go long land in the ruts and there's just, there was no way I could have turned. Yeah, I was wondering if you just missed your break, and then Chase kind of ran, would have run you in pretty deep if you had been able to make the turn. So I was wondering if you missed your break and just came in a little too hot. Yeah, I was. Well, I just, I you'll see in the video a little bit. Like I just, I kind of land awkwardly and cross rut a little bit, which then shifts my weight. Because honestly, yeah, like Sexton, he was there a little bit. He was going to be close enough to the point where I couldn't lean hard to the other way. Mm -hmm. So I would have had to stand up anyway. And considering obviously the awkwardness of landing and going long, like my suspension isn't as good as theirs. It wouldn't, it didn't soak it up like their suspension would. So yeah, it just, it threw me off the track. So that was, it was my fault. Nobody else's fault. I saw a lot of people hating on sex and like, Oh, why are you doing like now that unfortunately I'll take it hundred percent that I'll take that one to the chin. That was all me. But uh, no, it was just cool to be in that situation and get that experience as a privateer with no pressure on me. So then hopefully eventually Hopefully somebody gives me an opportunity or something like that, and I already have that kind of experience under my belt, you know? Absolutely. So I would say, you know, watching over the last couple of years how you've improved, I've, I've seen, you know, whether it's uh, fans or people always want to see the, the little guy or the, the up-and-comer get the opportunity. I've seen your name thrown out a few times when, you know, if there is an injured ride or different stuff like that. And I've even had people pose questions like in our forum and towards me like, oh, why isn't, you know, why isn't this guy getting picked over that? And I would say up until a little bit, like you said, getting getting out whole shotting and actually showing you can run with them is a bigger deal because at the end of the day, you've been improving, but like 15s, 14s, 16s until you're running with these guys. At the end of the day, everybody just looks as like, oh, cool, he's getting better. But has he beat anybody that has a ride worth replacing? So I would say is that uh has it been tough to go through all that, like improve, 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 and not get noticed? But finally, to do something like that, do you do you see why like people wait to to see something like that from a rider to show that you can actually literally run with the guys when it's when it's needed? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, obviously, oh man, there's there's a lot of parts to that question, right? I think the biggest one is I love what I do so much on the racing side but i almost love the business side as much as i do the racing side so that like me setting up my program having my program as efficient as it is i really enjoy both sides of that so like it's fun for me whether i'm getting picked up or not i love the way i have my program set up i don't have a whole lot of pressure i have a lot of you know freedom which is really cool and the whole fan interaction the vlog thing i've got going on like i've got a lot of things going my direction which is nice like if i didn't have any of that i'd probably be pretty salty why isn't anybody giving me a shot? I don't know what to do kind of deal, but like I'm loving life the way it is. And my goal, cause I, you know, it's nice to be the underdog to an extent. Cause yeah, you don't have a whole lot of pressure on you. So the more that I can prove myself with those factory riders as somebody that obviously does not nearly have the equipment that those guys have, um, you know, my, my time will come. I, I believe that. And if it doesn't, then I'm just going to keep having fun and keep loving what I'm doing, staying with the fans. And, you know, just that's the biggest thing is just enjoying what I do. Like if I didn't enjoy what I do, I'd be a lot more bitter and hate the sport more probably. Well, I am, you know, like pointing fingers, 
but considering I'm just having fun and loving what I'm doing and I know I'm getting better and I know I have a whole lot more in me than even, you know, obviously what we've already done and our continued results get better. But like some people got to realize how much more effort I'm putting into my program than virtually every other racer that's on the main event line. Right. So obviously I do all of my own bike work on Friday. Chris helps me and takes me to the line on Saturday, but you know, changing oil tires, clutches, all that stuff. I do everything on Friday. Even like when I got a flat tire after quality two, you know, I pop the tire off, put it back on stuff like that on race day. So like that on top of all the social media stuff on top of me traveling, planning my travel, you know, doing my own bike work training. Like, dude, there's so much that's on my plate that that's why I think I have so much more potential. If somebody were to give me an opportunity and take care of a lot of this stuff for me, like how much more effort I could put into the results side of things, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that, the next opportunity, like one, I think that's, that's again, from a, a fan perspective, it's hard for them to weigh what a real opportunity would, would be for a rider. I remember having this conversation or sort of like actually an argument a couple of years ago on our forum is, uh, it was when factory Suzuki still had a program. I think it was Metcalf's or somebody got hurt. Oh, it was Baggett, uh, out for like four or five rounds and people were throwing out riders names that should be on the bike. And, you know, at the time freeze had started to do kind of like what you did, like whole shot races show. He could run a little bit more towards that top group and somebody threw Vince's name out there. And I commented because he was with MCR at the time, like he would never take that opportunity. He would never take a, a four race deal uh, to, you know, bat basically push behind the guys that have been helping him all this time to only randomly ride a bike for four rounds, blah, blah, blah. A couple fans came and go, no, you're crazy. Anybody would take a factory ride opportunity. You're insane. I'm like, hmm, let me try this. I texted Vince. Hey, this is what people are asking. Vince is like, no way. I would not jump ship for four races on a bike. I've never rode and, and hose back. He goes, I would probably do worse and like taint, taint my image almost in a way. Like, I don't think it would work. Um, so I, my question to you is kind of explain to people, like when we say like, get that opportunity again, you have, you have people that help you. You've built this program. Is it just, would you take the opportunity to go ride a decent bike? If there was no money involved to pay your bills, no anything just for the opportunity to be like, Hey, I, I get to finally drop all this workload. And also at the same time, what if it, what if it was a really good program, but it's for two rounds? Like, is it really worth it for you with all the work you've put in to build up your, yourself and your program and your people? What, what does the real opportunity look like that actually truly makes sense? Um, damn, that, that's a really good question. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're like uh, one of the perfect say, people because of the, again, the Vince conversation, you're like one of the perfect people I think that would fit this and let like, again, a fan understand like it, it's, it, there's more to it than just a good motorcycle. Like there is yeah, a lot. More. No. Yeah. hundred percent. I got some good stuff on this question. Can you guys hear me? All right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Perfect. I'm just talking through headphones. So I just wanted to make sure. So long story short, the only way I would probably jump ship, especially this late in the season for, you know, a round or two or three or anything like that is if it's a cream of a crop team, right? So that's either, that's honestly probably KTM at this point because I would want to be something, KTM, Husky, maybe Gas Gas. Like they would have to be literally like Barsh, something has the Barsh and they want me on Barsh's bike. Kind of deal. <laughs> it would have to be cream of the crop to make me transition um, for a small amount of time because then at that point, I think anybody and everybody would understand because then I'd be kind of under Roger's, you know, scope. It'd be kind of low, like my opportunity maybe for something more in the future. But, you know, anything else, any kind of, you know, lower tier team or not like cream of the crop is just not really worth it. Kind of like how Vince said, like, it's not worth going backwards. It's not worth, you know, 
obviously disrupting everybody who's had your back. Like you're not just going to like, that's one thing I've actually kind of prided myself on throughout um, racing thus far is I don't really jump companies, right? Like I very seldom do I do. And if I do, it's definitely is it's on usually on good terms. Right. So that's one thing in the sport. You have to be very respectful. You never know where you need somebody again. You don't want to burn bridges. It's, you know, small community. Right. So yeah, like that, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's all the people that have, helped you get to where you're at and you know, whether they're going to be cool with it, what, what are the situations, what companies do you have to switch from? But yeah, it's just the biggest thing is results-based making sure you're not going to go backwards and get on something completely new and then be starting all over for two rounds and you could have awful results and then boom, everybody's like, okay, let's do the joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Scotty. Hey Kevin. So the theme of this interview is, really kind of been, you know, all these efforts are trying to get, you know, to improve your ride and get a better opportunity next year. And it's kind of cool that one of the questions I had was pretty much what we've been talking about. And, you know, your your Moran's Mafia is getting bigger. And most importantly, your speed's getting better. And you're making more event events, getting better results. You know, what are some of the companies or people that teams that you'd like to work with or maybe even potential sponsors that you have your sights on for next year? And, and where, where are we at with kind of getting to – Maybe what you want. Um, no, biggest person I gotta give a shout out to is Tank Masters. They're the current supporters. You know, I got I gotta give the people the love that are currently behind me. Uh, but obviously, my biggest scope. I've been on KTM's for the last. I mean, ever since I went pro, pretty much. So clearly, Roger DeCoster. You know, the whole KTM Gas Gas um, Husky team, like something like that, would obviously be uh, my primary uh goal i guess let's put it that way um obviously i'm kind of game for anything at this point when it if it, if it makes sense like i'm not just going to jump ship because i do have a pretty good program set up where there's not very much stress i do get to make a lot of decisions and everything like that so it doesn't really make sense for me to jump ship for you know somebody that's just going to provide a bike kind of deal you know mm-hmm. what i mean like yeah. i can do that myself uh so i don't know i'm getting a little bit lost i don't really know where i need to go from this you might want to ask your question again but yeah long story short uh it's more it's it's just whatever i could do to further myself in this sport without burning bridges and everything like that and obviously i've been on ktm for a while so ktm gas gas husky is kind of the the would be the move that would be the easiest transition yeah i what i think scotty might have been asking because i had this question right down too is like what or at least this is my question why what would be the one thing that would make the biggest difference if you could get your hands on it? Would it be factory suspension or is there one thing that would make a massive difference for you? Um, man, I would, that's tough because there's, there's a lot of things, obviously the factory suspension, because so that's the biggest change that I made from last year to this year. Right. Mm -hmm. I've been on, uh, you know, the KTM, I run the WP, uh, cone valve forks and then I ran stock shock for the last three years this year was the first year that I finally decided to make a change. And I was like, okay, I want to try the A-Kit shock. Everybody I am racing has the A-Kit shock. There's no way that they're just using it because it looks cool. <laughs> so I finally got my hands on it, used it. And I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this podcast. I don't know, whatever. But I was at my home track and went through the whoops. We were getting ready to test suspension. I got the first A-Kit shock that I wanted to try out. Um, and long story short, went through the whoops. With my normal suspension stuff, I got 15th on in the last race in Salt Lake City. I kept that from last year so I could start riding with it at the beginning of this year. Went through the whoops, boom, came off, changed the shock, literally went straight out, went through the whoops again, stomped on the brakes, shut off my bike, 
and screamed out, what the F? Like, it's that big of a difference just from the stock shock to the A-Kit shock. Like, I can only imagine what A-Kit suspension, like, what actual factory suspension feels like. Not only that, but, like, mind you, I'm making my own changes in qualifying and everything like that. Like, mm. I come over, grab the screwdriver, get on my hands and knees, and adjust the the rebound of the forks, right? Like, I don't have a single person at the races watching film telling me to do this, do that. Like, the fact, just having a team behind you that gives you data, you know, this is the segment that you're losing time in. You know, this is what we think we need to do with suspension, having people that are knowledgeable enough to know what to do correctly. Cause it's not like the rider always feels what they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is just having the personnel behind me and the equipment that is up to par with these guys. Yeah, that's exactly what Josh Varese told us a couple years ago when he got that fill-in ride at, at Husky for a little bit. He said, wow, having Lit Pro, having somebody show, hey, you're losing two-tenths in this corner, you're losing a tenth in this corner, and by the end of a lap, you find you've got two seconds somewhere, you know? And Yeah, so that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, so they're talking about, like, and they brought up a lot of points, I guess, a ML. Excuse me, I'm stumbling over my own words. Anyways, brought up a good points about, like, how – you could be an insight into how riders, you know, to the the general public. My question is, how how do you get paid? Like, are you just making money off of like the races? Or do you have like, like everybody has bills? I'm just curious about somebody at your level where you're right there under having a team, having a mechanic, all that stuff. What do you what do you do to actually pay your bills? Rans Mafia. <laughs> okay, so funny story. Um, this is like, so I went through like, cause I have an associate's degree. I took all business classes to get it. I've always kind of been business savvy, uh, throughout my whole, I guess, life more or less. I've never had like a real job through high school, mowed lawns, weeded, all that stuff. So I've kind of always ran my own program, did like more working for myself. Right. Yeah. So I knew coming in privateer racing is tough. Obviously through the years I've met great people, great connections, great sponsors, people that have my back. And obviously I take the time to create cool sponsorship packages, AKA the helmet wraps, the, the stuff that I do with the bike. Obviously the vlog has then added more, um, marketing ability for my racing as well. So obviously I sell spots on the bikes or on the bike logos, marketing company, stuff like that. But on top of it, the biggest thing that I wanted to create because what was it two years ago? I got life lighted from Atlanta mm -hmm. supercross, got my shoulder fixed. Didn't come back until the last three rounds of outdoors ended up actually doing pretty good. And then getting that little fill in ride for the uh, Rocky mountain team when Savachi and actually KTM was supporting them. However, when I was down and out, obviously I'm not racing. I'm not getting paid. There's nothing like that. So I knew that I needed to create some kind of monthly income. Racers don't get a monthly income, at least privateers don't, you know, obviously the dude's getting salaries and stuff like that. Factory teams, obviously I've never had that situation yet, but that's why I created Patreon because Patreon is a creative way to get fans involved. Not necessarily people that have businesses and want logos on the bike, but I was like, how can I create a monthly income while doing what I love, getting people involved, getting fans involved that obviously want more of a fan interaction behind the scenes look. So that's why I created Patreon because then that creates a monthly income for me as well on top of racing and getting paid for the event on top of sponsorship deals, marketing, yada, yada, yada. So my biggest goal is to create as many streams of income as possible because then obviously that multiplies and that's how I pay my bills. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I, I want to touch on that program a little bit. You and I have talked about it in the past, but yeah, you have spots on your, 
shrouds on your fender, on your helmet, et cetera, where Patreon supporters can come on. And, and that lets them get involved. They see their name on the bike. Uh, and that's been pretty successful for you, it seems like. Yeah, it's actually been really cool. Because, like, so even right now, we just added a couple new uh, kind of spots to the bike where it has your name until it gets filled. Like I put your name on there. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. then if people come to the races and they don't necessarily want to, you know, subscribe to the Patreon and it, cause obviously Patreon's a monthly subscription service. If they just want to come up, hand me a hundred dollars cash at the race. Boom. I'll let them sign the bike kind of deal right over one of those, your names, or we'll find somewhere like that. So like, that's been really cool. Like this past weekend, stank dog dig it, did it. So oh, he gave yeah. me a hundred bucks and I had three other fans do it. And then, <laughs> Honestly, it was actually pretty cool because uh, apparently Paige Craig watched my vlog on her flight because her son had downloaded it to her YouTube, yada, yada. She didn't have any service. So she watched that and figured out that you can come and donate and write your name on the bike. So actually, after I whole-shotted Christian in the heat race, uh, <laughs> she came over and, yeah, she donated some money, signed the bike and everything like that. It was included in her vlog and my vlog. So, like, that was super cool. But, yeah, it's just creating some kind of fan experience, right? Like, that's why we try to include them in the vlog, too, because then that stuff lasts forever. They're, they can show their friends. They're excited about it. And it helps support my racing. It pays for hotels, flights, um, entry fees, all sorts of stuff. And it's just by having fun and giving people experiences and then me getting experiences as well. So, like, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Love it. I got a uh, two very different ended questions. Uh, one of them we'll get back to actually the vlogs. I had a, a question about some, but um, first talking about the program, um, what you can do going into next year. So again, what you did this last weekend is a big step. If you can keep doing that the rest of the season, it will open eyes. But as with anything, not to, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer, but it's like, okay, it's getting later in the season. Um, again, the opportunities we talk about, I kind of understanding what you do. Like I'm sure there are, some smaller programs you could get on next year, but I would definitely argue that you're putting yourself in a better position doing your own thing. I, I tell this to a lot of writers like, Hey, you can kind of build a better program for yourself than most small efforts really can. It, it, it gets to the point that really only the big teams are, are the better opportunity. So with that, you have to do this again next year on your own. What would be your biggest focus to improve about your program? What would help you the most? Like, what would be your off-season goals to to raise, and where would you put it? What do you think would have the biggest effect the next year to to finally kind of help you, uh, you know, make the jump? Um, that is a great question as well. You guys got a lot of good ones. You know what I mean? Um, my biggest concern going into next year is the bike that I'm going to be riding. Right. So obviously, I know the guys are starting to figure out the twenty three or the 20, yeah, whatever, the newer model bike. Um, they're starting to have better results on them. Now, I don't know. I don't have the information of how many changes they made to that bike to make Coop like it, yada, yada, yada. How different is it from the production one that they're selling? So, I mean, I'm in a point where do I stay on the 2022 because I know it. I have suspension for it. I have all the parts for it. I don't have to change anything. Um, so, you know, the R&D side of that is probably going to be the first uh, – situation i need to go through and hopefully i don't know if ktm you know seeing obviously that i'm pulling starts on their factory machines hopefully they can give kev a little help but uh you know at least send me in the right direction of what things i should do if i want to go to the new model um but other than that things for my program that i would like to kind of solidify a little bit better is probably having some kind of suspension guy at the races um specifically to help me so i'm not making my own changes and guessing to an extent um, Chris does a pretty good job. I would not mind if I, you know, stay on the same program, next level, um, racing team, 
Chris taking me to the line, like that all works really well. I have all that, that all ironed out pretty great. Uh, the biggest thing for me is just more race day help. Um, so that's, you know, just better setup and a little bit better organized program altogether. So there's nothing really super crazy I would change besides, yeah, better equipment that, you know, I would love to be able to get my hands on. That is obviously for factory guys only. Um, and then just the, uh, the help, maybe if, you know, KTM could at least have be able to help me by I can send some videos to their suspension guys and then give me pointers kind of deal. Like something like that would be sweet yeah. over me just shooting in the dark, you know? Definitely. Yeah. I think uh, it's actually fun going back to when Weston Pike really went all in on himself. The one year bet on himself built his Suzuki program. A lot of people might not know this, but something that he spent quite a bit of money on is he had a suspension technician of his own at every race. Um, that was something that he went in, you know, he put together, I think that was different. That was like when video stuff was early motorsport was spending money. He was able to come up with a really good budget when they did that. Um, but that was one of the, one of the things he actually did. Um, so my question is about the vlog. So we have a lot of riders doing them now. Uh, the difficult part is everybody sees it and thinks, Oh, I'll instantly get views. It'll be good for me. Branding wise. And as you know, it is extremely tough to be consistent with them. That is, there's, there's a lot of people that can turn out a vlog here or there. Uh, it's really tough for somebody to actually do it consistently, build a community around it, etc. However, with that, there are quite a few riders that are getting good at it. When I look at YouTube content in general, um, other sports, uh, just other avenues, whether it's fitness, makeup stuff, um, things that trend really well on YouTube, you have a lot of content creators that begin to collab a lot more. A lot of guys in the car industry do that. Um, have you gone to that point with your stuff where some of the riders that are really on top of their stuff like you have you guys have you started to try to do any more of that or have you thought about that to help kind of build and grow together um i need to a little bit more um obviously i kind of piggyback because they piggybacked off the craigs a little bit this weekend um they included me in their vlog which i think is going to be very bit beneficial um you know deegan obviously has a really good program as well um i'm kind of buddies with him i talk with him you know at most track walks and stuff like that so uh, I think that is kind of more of a step I need to look a little bit farther into. Um, but me being kind of the one man show of doing everything and a majority of bike work and a majority of, you know, obviously I got to make a helmet wrap video. I got to, you know, my little bike branding, which is like a logo of a business that we put on the bike for each individual round. There's a lot of stuff that's just on my plate that I'm so focused on race days and like even race weekends and during the week, like that's why I, I just so busy that I, I need to try to free up a little bit of time or I need to almost get like an assistant. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. it's just part of it, but you know, we are growing the YouTube thing. It's been really good. The fans do like it. Cause we do kind of have the little spinoff of the, including the signatures and all the stuff like fans can actually be in the vlog. So they want to come by to maybe try to be in the vlog, obviously help support the program. They sign the bike and then they're pretty much going to be in the vlog kind of deal. So it's cool fan interaction standpoint obviously the moran's mafia stuff kevinmorans.com you can hit the moran's mafia tab and learn how to join that however it it's it's kind of like playing fantasy right like i love football i played football all the way through high school that's obviously my second favorite sport now would i watch all the games if i wasn't playing fantasy football no like fantasy changes the game for me and it makes me enjoy watching so to have a system where somebody can support me whatever their name is on the bike that they're watching on TV, they're going to be a lot more invested in it. So I don't know. We can just creative with those kinds of things. I think it works out really well. Kevin Moran's tonight brought to you by guts racing, GutsRacing.com. And so Kevin, when, 
when you're get the whole shot and you're leading a race like that, obviously the adrenaline's crazy and you know heart heartbeat's going fast, but it's kind of funny how it works. So you have the open track and therefore it should technically be easier, but you're in the front and all the pressure's there, you know, but being in the, you know, maybe if you don't get the start, you're kind of struggling to maybe make decisions on what can I jump or how can I pass this person while being safe? What, what was more stressful having that whole shot and being the guy out front or, you know, trying to, not die in 14th or 15th. <laughs> oh, sunny boy. You just wait until I get another whole shot. Your boy's going to be sending it because <laughs> nice. I 100% guarantee you I've been in way too many stressful LCQs yeah. winning those things. I can deal with that pressure, right? I understand I can be the one that's, that's a grown up enough to say, yes, I'm not Chase Sexton's pace. Yes, I'm not Tomac's pace. Yes, I'm not Cooper Webb's pace. But sure as shit, I'm going to try to hang with them as long as I can kind of deal. So if I get out front again, even like I said this weekend, like I was pretty calm and collected over the finish line. I knew my situation. Yes, I knew those were going to get around me eventually, but I told myself, you're going to hold this as long as you can, and I don't care what you got to do to do it kind of deal. So I'm very comfortable being in front and using that to my advantage. Obviously, like you said, it's a lot easier because you have free realm to kind of move around on the track. Um, I just straight up, I made a little bit of mistake. I just went a little long and landed awkward, and obviously my suspension wasn't capable of handing it like theirs. But it's live and you learn. You know what I mean? So 100% I'll take getting that whole shot, getting out front in front of all these dudes every single time over. Yeah, if you're in the middle of the pack, back of the pack, it's, it's mayhem back there and it's tough to get a flow. So, no, I don't, I don't have any problem dealing with the stress of being up front. Uh, oh, can I ask one? Yeah, yeah, of course. And as you're, you know, that's a pretty long straightaway. As you're going down the straightaway, did you, is, was there any point in that where you're like, oh, I got this? Or like, was it just kind of like, Holy crap, I'm in the lead. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is is if you see most of the photos, if you take somebody, walk five steps from the front of the gate, turn and shoot a photo as soon as we're that five steps, 90% of the time you'll see Kevin Rand's front tire in first place. I like it. So I'm really good at obviously getting the jump and that first drive. So almost all starts, I come out like, holy crap, I got this. And then boom, <laughs> they zip by me. Kind of yeah. This one, I think I just shifted a little bit better. Um, obviously I have the finesse of the clutch down pretty well. So I just shifted and I knew I kind of edged Sexton out a little bit. So I knew I had the the elbow on him. So I was like, okay, nobody's going inside of me. It's just whether Tomac can zip around the outside of me kind of deal. And coming into that first corner, I was like, <laughs> your boy's got this. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty stoked. So. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Congrats yeah. on that. Last question for you, Kevin. Uh, you're currently, I believe 20th in points. What are your plans? Did you already have plans for outdoors, the super motocross season this year? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, what's your goals? So, um, outdoors is a little bit different scenario for me. Uh, any opportunities out there, hit your boy up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, as of right now, probably going to go into outdoors. But what I was going to say is the next level racing team was not going to do outdoors. So I was going to be on my own, have to find transportation system, yada, yada, yada. As of right now, I think they're looking into finding other people, other privateers that want to do a transport system so they might be doing outdoors, which then opens up the door to make it a little bit easier for me. However, I'm still on the board of you know finding opportunities there because Chris, the guy that is obviously our team manager, the one that takes me to the line, the one that helps me, he's not going to be going to all the outdoor rounds. So then I really am going to be on my own for mm. outdoors. So I am looking for help. I am looking for a situation that would make my life a little bit easier. Mechanic stuff, you know. I'm going to need a little help if I want to do outdoors. Obviously, it'd be nice to race it. Yes, if I can keep myself in the points battle, I'll probably do it. 
Um, that being said, I am really curious. I would love for them to release the information of how much we're going to get paid for outdoors. I know they're talking about all the stuff, you know, bumping up the pay and doing all this stuff, which I mean, the, the, the supercross pay changed for the 450 class, maybe a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, uh, a position at least lower down where I am right now. So I'm interested to see what the pay is for outdoors, what they're going to bump it to, how much more worth it is it for me to do that. Uh-huh. Um, but if it just depends on where I'm at in points, the situations, if I get uh, an opportunity or get a little bit of support, have a mechanic that helps me, or if, uh, you know, a world supercross offer comes around, I wouldn't be against doing that or maybe even doing a, a bit of both, right. Doing outdoors and then just missing the two rounds that you can't do because of world supercross. Like I'm pretty wide open when it comes <laughs> to after supercross. I'm just yeah. mainly focused on supercross right now. So if anybody's got any opportunities, hit your boy up. <laughs> All right. Kevin, thank you for coming on tonight. Congrats on a great – I mean, obviously your finish wasn't what you wanted, but you rode really well. Uh, the starts were awesome, and I love your enthusiasm, man. I appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. I felt like that was pretty solid. So, yeah, yeah. You know, go to KevinRans.com, grab some merch, join the Rans Mafia. I appreciate you guys, and, yeah, hopefully we'll do this again soon. All right, Kevin, take care. We'll see you in Glendale. All right, thank you. See you, man. All right, thanks to Kevin Moran's coming on tonight, brought to you by Guts Racing. I also want to point out, uh, just for you guys that are obviously going to Vital and checking things out at Vital, I've got an interview coming up next week with Rich Taylor that I did this week. Uh, Rich Taylor is the owner of X-Brand, and X-Brand has quietly grown into one of the premier goggle choices available. Using some of the most grueling conditions by 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV Pro champion Bryson Neal, and uh, just recently, Craig DeLong and Josh Strang crushed it at... What round was that that was all muddy, uh, ML? The, la- the last round. What round was that? You remember? I don't know. Well, okay. It was muddy. Yeah, it was super muddy. Uh, it was, one of the I muddiest. Think, was it the, the general? Uh, it was in South Carolina, I thought. Okay. Well, yeah. So the most recent GNCC was absolutely a mud fest. And hey, top two this guys- was your point, and you didn't research it, and you asked me in the middle of your read? I just expect you to know everything, ML. I thought you. I thought he did. Yeah, I thought he did too. I thought he knew everything. I'm sorry. It was uh, it was the general. I was right, yep. but I forgot. It's in Georgia. Okay. Well, visit xbrand.com or go to your local dealership and ask for X-Brand goggles distributed through WPS. Uh, we've got a few minutes before we get Cole Seeley on, who still has not responded, so that might go south. Really. Yeah, bring that up. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, let's just throw that yeah, out there. The <laughs> Mr. Negative. Good negative side. <sighs> Starts his starts his negative question. side. Yeah. Negative. That yes. it's, it's, yeah, that's fine. Negative. That's better than broke side, Dick. Yes. Pretty sure that was ML's you can, doing. You can be oh, Dick side. That was. Uh, it was broke side, walletless side, walletless uh, side. Credit, uh, low credit score side. I can't remember. I came up with a few that night. Yeah, yeah. What a friend. What a friend. Backed um, outside. Backstab side. <laughs> All right, I got a question that I want to. All of it is better than quit side, though. I am uh, so proud. Yeah. Ooh, quit that side. Gone. That that story is coming out soon too. The GNCC story from Florida. I'm right. sitting here at the table with a couple guys who have recently this year like quit on stuff. I'm just saying. I mean, you didn't this last one, but the one before you did, and that was last year. And he quit. He yeah, he definitely <laughs> he quit. Oh, I was out. Home. I at least hung out for oh, a while. Oh, dude, I was I was done, dude. I was I was done with the woods, man. I was going yeah. to watch but Cowboys least, game. Well, at least he took care of the bike and washed it, and right. No, oh no, no, no that's right. But, I mean, I didn't either, but I had a team to do that. Yeah, oh, pretty enough. pretty sure that I. Uh, put my efforts into saying that hey, I would come wash the bike if it was really that big of a deal. You were already gone. I would have come oh, wash just... the bike. Okay, we're All not right, getting back into on. that. Okay. Um, I got a question for everybody. Obviously, Chase has dropped back in the championship a little bit. We just talked about all the issues he's having. 
TJ, do you feel like the only two guys that can win this championship realistically are Coop and Eli, or do you feel like there's a pretty good high percentage chance that Chase could get back into it and be there at the end? Uh, Eli has proven that he can have strange nights. Okay. So the, I think the, I think the, the door is open. Um, I think it's an outside, outside chance, not a good chance at what you're saying, but I mean, I think the door is always open when you have those guys who have had, you know, random bad nights. And then Cooper can win, but if he consistently is going to be pulling thirds, you know what I'm talking about, or force and stuff like that. Well, I think my real question is, can Chase win the championship? Yes. TJ, uh, Scotty? Um, what What is the points damage? What did it go down to? Uh. I had 22. Yeah, 22. 22. Yep. I mean, that's it's a, a whole race. It's, yeah. There is six rounds left. I mean, anything's possible, rounds, but yeah. I, like, even if he wins all the rest of them, as long as the other guys stay pretty consistent and the, it's not going to happen. I guess it's, it's kind of, you know, I would say the title fight is between Cooper and Eli. Can Chase still win it? Yes. But the title fight, I didn't mean it's absolutely impossible. I just, what do, do you think he, he could like, realistically, do you think he could get back in the championship by the final round? I just think that they're going to be, I think Cooper's going to be too consistent for that to happen. Yeah. Do you think that Eli will be consistent to the end? I think that those, yes. I think that all of those sevenths or eights, maybe he didn't say, hey, I'm going to go get eighth tonight, but I think a lot of that's calculated. Like I, Hey, I'm, I'm older. I don't have it tonight. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to, Get 15th, I'm just going to settle for my 6th and take my points and then, you know, come do what I got to do the next yeah. time. So I think it's more I think it's more calculated than we're all giving it credit for. ML, what are your thoughts? Um, I think you'll see less of those performances from both Eli and Coop. Uh, Coop admitted that, or sorry, Eli admitted that he was more in a funk. I know after the race, he always tried to say, oh, well, I just didn't have it, so I settled. Right. But you can tell it bugs him. Um, the two of them are two that rise to the occasion. They will do it less in the next couple of races. They will force because we're, we're thinned down. Like, yes, earlier in the season, it was easy to take a step back and take a fifth. Um, coming in these bottom couple rounds, there will be more pressure on him. Eli's sitting in seventh. He knows Coop's in second or something. He will try harder. He will do what he has to to make this happen. Um, they both are the kind of guys that can rise to occasions. That's how they get it done. Um, as for Chase's chance, I think when me and Lewis did pot percentage pies, I gave it only a 1% chance. Uh, my main reason for that is we're talking about just statistically, historically here. I just can't see Chase game through the next six races without another issue. Like yep. how how he would literally have to change his stripes completely. Um, I mean, if he can, amazing. Uh, but yeah, just a, a low chance when you look at everything that's kind of happened before this. Yeah, it's easy to go, well, over these next six races, Cooper, Eli will each have a bad night. Well, I'm going to say Chase is going to have two more <laughs> right? right. Okay. Um, based, based on averages. ML, I got a question for you. So, Oh, sure. The, Just go ahead. Run the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, my God. Over or under three, there's six rounds left. Over or under three, Chase Sexton wins. Over, under. Th- oh, wins three rounds? Yeah. Uh, under. Say, two. Uh, yeah. Under okay, over two. under two. Oh, I'm gonna say two. You're gonna he, say two? Get two more wins. So a push. Yeah, yeah. That all you wanted? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're. Right. I think I agree, ML. I, I'd almost go zero percent chance of of Chase winning never championship. Say never. Yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm gonna have to say zero. And Lewis's hitman is coming. I'm for you. sorry, Lewis. <laughs> Lewis. Yeah, I heard he's already in Texas. We're we're gonna talk. We're, we're gonna talk time. about that situation. I want to hear minutes. the horn. The, the sexton ship. Oh. Um, <laughs> Is there a version of it while it's sinking? 
<laughs> Ultimately, I've decided yeah. on the sextant <laughs> ship, and I am the Capitan. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's fading yeah, a little. That's the noise that they that they blew there right before <laughs> they hit the iceberg. I did it going. Poor guy, man. Lewis is never coming on the show again. Lewis is in the chat right now. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. He's going to cry 24 7. <laughs> oh. Poor Lewis. Uh, man, Lewis is going to be mad at me, but you know, sometimes friends fight. When's he not? He's almost never mad at me for real. It just people think he is. We're going to get to that in a little bit, too. Hey, by the way, I'm about to say, I meant to tell you three new segment, the prox highs and low segment. So I need you guys to think about your high points and your it. low points. I was prepared. From Seattle. Well, I didn't tell you that. I, I, I love that I've been informed yeah. about new segments. No, you oh, great. I told you guys. You I didn't tell, 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 tell ML. There you go, ML. So think about a high point and a low point from Seattle. ML's not going to have a, well, any issue talking. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nope. Well, Give you, me the, the state, new sir. was his idea. Point the spotlight at me. I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, WUSA. Guys, uh, WUSA wheels on my bike. They are amazing. WUSA is your... Source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Smith, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. We have the exclusive W Edge wheel set starting at $799 as the exclusive import of Han Kite and Talon Hubs, as well as Excel and DID rims. We can build your dream wheels. So give us a call or check us out WUSA.com or follow us on Instagram to see some of the latest and coolest builds we have. Do not forget to use that promo code MOTOXPOD to save on your order. Uh, one more question before we get to Cole Seeley. A couple guys that I was expecting a little bit more out of these last couple rounds is Aaron Plessinger and Ken Roxon, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I want them after those couple good races. Obviously, Kenny won a race. Mm-hmm. AP almost won a race. I really, really wanted them fighting for a podium. Like, I wanted them close. And they weren't as close as I thought they should be. That almost should be my low for the prox highs and lows, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be. So, uh, yeah, man, what do you think? I, I just feel like they need to be producing a little bit more at this point. I mean, I, th- I think the the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's just it's just all those seven, eight guys, you know, you can kind of interchange them anywhere, and it's just, it kind of just depends on how the night goes. I mean, it when the gate drops, anything, any of those guys can be the podium or the eighth place. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I think just what you see is what you get. I mean, yeah, I... I I don't think that their rides indicate that they couldn't be in the podium. It just it just didn't happen. I just I guess I expected and TJ, you were shaking your head a second ago, but I just thought the the win and the almost win yeah. would boost them up just a little bit more. I just I thought that I think he, in my opinion, as far as dealing with a, uh, AP, was he was just coming in probably hoping for some mud races and all, <laughs> yeah. and, for the, and then when it wasn't. I just think it probably took a little bit of wind out of the sail. You know what I mean? Like you Maybe. come in, you come in expecting that I'm going to be good at this. But and then, I yeah. think though he think he believes, especially after Detroit, that he's as good. and He's good enough to win. So well, it, rain or not, mud or not. I mean, I mean, obviously Morantz believes what mud, that he what can. What mud race though are we talking about? No, 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 I don't say that it was, thought there wanted, was going to be one. Yeah, he, yeah, he wanted to be a mud race. So Morantz thinks that he's going to pull every hole shot too. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, okay, okay. Yeah. Scotty, before I go to ML, what you said, you had another comment. Uh, I don't oh, know okay. what we were talking about now. All right, ML. So no, what do you think, man? No, no boost. 
I I'm completely fine with what they're doing. I think it's almost more of a miracle that we're this deep into a championship um, with Chase, Tomac, and Webb, and that people are reinserting themselves into it. It, yeah. it is heavily overstated how momentum shifts. Look at somebody like Anderson that hasn't found the momentum this year. He can he can run with these guys. We saw it last year, and he may next year. It just happens when guys typically miss the boat. Um, early season of kind of going with the championship. It's not that the championship guys are necessarily that much better. They just, everything clicks out here. They carry the momentum, whether it's mental flow, all these things. Um, I think it's just amazing that Aaron, Kenny, Justin have put themselves into these conversations. This late in the season while Chase, Tomac and Cooper all still riding amazing. None of them have gone hurt. None of them have crashed out of races or anything of that nature. Um, So I, I'm not disappointed that they have mail backup, I'm more amazed that they've been in these conversations. Okay, fair enough. FXR is designed by racers for racers with industry-leading fit and finish and performance. Progression is the name of the game with every new cr- piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best products possible. So visit FXRRacing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways, as well as all the snow lines and lifestyle casual wear, or go to your local dealership. Tonight, FXR brings us former factory rider Cole Seeley. What's up, Cole? Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, you're all right. You're a little low. Let me turn you up here. Um, dude, good to see, good to have you back. How'd that feel? Oh man, it was uh, it was a lot, but it was it was <laughs> fun. Uh, we we accomplished some goals and and checked off some boxes, so I'd call it a successful night. Well, let's go straight to that. What were the goals coming in? What was what made it su- successful for you? Um, really, the goal, you know. Uh, going into last year when we did the, the two rounds of um, World Supercross, you know, I just I wasn't very comfortable, and I, I really wasn't um, from a competi- compet- com- competitive sorry <laughs> level. I wasn't uh, where I wanted to be when we lined up. Just I, I, got, I did my homework, I did my riding and training and all that kind of stuff, but um, just the experience is lacking. So this is just a kind of a trial run to get me comfortable and ready um and you know just the main thing was just comfort and i I came around came out of the you know the the weekend feeling a lot more comfortable even you know the couple days that we've had at the test track since then i've i've had a little bit more pep in my step and definitely learned what i need to focus on um you know i am a seasoned rider but at the same time i feel like i'm i'm you know jumping right back into this and i feel like i'm a rookie all over again so definitely a different uh any a different kind of situation that i'm used to lining up with all these guys yeah i think if i'm not mistaken the last time you raced a u.s supercross was vegas maybe in 19 i don't know if that's yeah okay what has changed does it feel like a lot's changed oh yeah a ton has changed i mean when i when i stepped away i i didn't really ever plan on you know racing competitively again especially at this level so um you know kind of when I stepped away, I was like, you know, the, the monkey's off my back. I don't got to worry about the pressure. or I don't want to worry about, you know, the, the stress that I put under myself stepping back into it. So I, I kind of came back into it almost blind again, where I was like, man, I completely forgot what it's like to be on the track. And, and not only that, but the, the competition is so high now. Um, you know, it was high then when I stepped away, but it's, you know, everyone stepped their game up. Everyone's faster than they were. So <laughs> it's a lot to digest for, for me. And I'm, you know, a little older now, so I'm not as, uh, willing to put my, you know, my body and my life on the line like I was back then. So a little bit more playing it safe mentality. Um, and like I said, I, I just wanted to get more comfortable for world supercross 
and um, really the goal is just to make it out of these two healthy and and feeling a little bit more energized and refreshed lining up for you know when we July first when we line up for the first round. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about like. I guess a little bit of a shock coming in with with the racing and stuff like that. As a Cole Sealy fan, I, I, a lot of us were a little bit. I, I mean, I hate to say this, disappointed with the ride. Like when you came in after the weekend, were you like, okay, I need to change some stuff? Were you coming in going, no, this is where I thought I would be? Because as somebody who's watched you racing coming up and always at a front runner in my mind. We, well, we, I was kind of like, oh wow, this was shocking to see, like, I guess the fall off. And I, I don't mean to be rude; it's just how where do where are you with that? Yeah, no, it's it's completely understandable. I mean, that's the thing is like I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm like, you know, I know where I used to be, and like part of me is like, come on, man, push push towards the front, and you belong up there. But at the same time, I'm in a completely different stage of my life. Um, and honestly, like in the main event, I you know like my main goal was just get out of that heat race clean. That was like what I had my sights set on was perform well in the heat race. And even going into the heat race, I was, I was a little bit um, in my head about it because I, you know, the track like was so brutal. It didn't really look like it on TV, but I was talking to Christian Craig and Justin Barsha right before um, the heat race. And they're like, man, you came back at the wrong time. This is the worst track we've had all year. And I'm like, Oh, thanks guys. Thanks for welcome back. Yeah. That's what I was, um, I was, I was thinking that so, you picked a hard one to come. So back. yeah, it, I struggled with comfort all day, like just kind of finding my flow, nothing to do with the bike. The bike's great. I'm really happy with the chassis and the progress of the teams, um, you know, developed with the, with the bike is awesome, but I just, I was, oh. the track, um, but yeah, in the, in the heat, in the main event, really what, what it came down to for me, it, it, it was a bit of fitness, but like what really got me kind of in my head was I know where these guys are at in their championship fight, especially the top three. So when I see them, you know, gaining on me a lap down, I, like I've been in their shoes before, you know, I've been the guy laughing guys and I know how frustrating it is. So I was a little over cautious letting them by, I, you know, my times dropped a lot every time I got lapped because I was just trying to stay out of the way um, and really not be that guy that holds up the leader, or holds up a guy in fifth place. He might be, you know, you know, fighting for a fifth place spot in, in the point series or something like that. So I was a little over courteous when it came to that. <laughs> but again, I, I, I have all the respect in the world for these guys and what they're doing every single weekend. And I, I just wanted to, you know, not have any, any slight incident with, with any of these guys. So, it was a little, uh, like I said, a little overcautious in that kind of, that kind of sense. I was wondering what's it uh, been like coming back to ride the 450. Now you tried the 250 for WSX last year. I think there's a lot of um, good memories that people have of you on a Honda 250, um, what you were capable of in Supercross. But man, 250s <laughs> they take a lot of aggression. I think that we forget about after you've stepped away. Has it been as as hard as a 450 is to ride though? is it been easier for you to come back and adapt to a 450 than it was to try to find that pace on a 250? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to make excuses. I just, I just, I didn't blend well with the, with the 250. I really like riding the 250. Like it's like when I go to the test track and ride it, I have a, a blast on it. It's a like the chassis, I think with, you know, the, the Honda two Honda chassis, I think the 250 chassis with that engine works really well. Um, not to say that the 450 doesn't, but it's actually a, a surprising 
difference in, in the, you know, the feeling of the chassis. Um, I really enjoyed riding it, but when it comes time to racing, I just, I fit like my riding style fits the 450 a lot better. And I wanted to race 450 last year. Um, the, the main purpose for racing 250 was that was all the only spot available on the Moto Concepts team. Um, and I really wanted to, you know, come back on a, on a team that kind of has a really good foundation and a good program and people that I trust. So that was really the only reason for riding 250 because it was the only slot available. Um, and then, you know, with Justin Brayton moving on the, the spot opened up for 450 and thankfully I was able to, you know, land a spot on, on the team on a 450 this year. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy riding, riding both of them, but, but I think when it comes time to race, I think the 450 suits me a little better. So going, you know, what you're preparing for right now is the WSX season that's upcoming. Um, as far as we're aware, Kenny's not uh, going to be racing. Eli, you know, a couple of the bigger names from last year. Um, sounds like JB will be back, but you're on a 450 that nearly won, won the title, both in JB and Vince's hands. Um, how does it make you feel coming into the season, like goal-wise going into that? Again, not trying to not trying to say like, oh, the big guy's gone, but the, the guy who held the number one plate won't be there. Does that change your perspective at all on like where you think you'll be um, in terms of, you know, top five podiums, championship level and stuff for the WSX season? Does it, does it motivate you a little more? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily motivate me more, but it's, um, you know, the, the thought of, you know, potentially winning or being on the podium, um, you know, being that much more within reach is definitely, um, you know, definitely puts a smile on my face. Uh, it, it's cool to, I, I love Kenny. I love hanging out with him. I love riding with him. Um, he's obviously an insanely talented guy. Um, but yeah, to have him, you know, have his focus on outdoors. I think that's in his, the position that he's in his career that, you know, and his age, I think that's probably the right move for him. Um, so I'm happy for him, but yeah, for, for me, I think it's a, you know, positive being able to line up with one last guy that I, uh, probably not going to beat every single weekend. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's uh, the bike, the team, everything is, is really good. Um, you know, they've, they've been around for years and years and years and they've developed a really good foundation and, um, a program that really works and all the guys in our corner, you know, make my job that much easier. We have a good engine package, especially on the 450. The engine package is really good. Suspension, you know, working with Showa again has been awesome. Um, our guy Cause over there is, you know, one of the best guys I've worked with when it comes to setting up the, the suspension. I think we've had like only two test days and I really haven't changed much. He kind of just, you know, hit the nail on the head the first try. So um, it's good. You know, that's that's the like I, going back to what I said about wanting to race the Moto Concepts guys. That's exactly why, because I know that they know what they're doing. And I know that I can trust them and I can trust everyone in my corner. And it's just one less thing to worry about. So WSX last year was just two races. So maybe hard to get a, a sampling for it, but between that getting prepped for this, you know, kind of where's your head at with continuing racing? Um, is this a total see how this year goes or are you already kind of feeling like there's a chance that we see you, continue um in wsx and select events maybe for for a couple more years or are we still just just really seeing how things go at this point um i'm still kind of just seeing how things go um last year and i i, I have to take it with a grain of salt because I, I hit the ground five times out of the six races and the only race that i didn't hit the ground i got second so i was really bummed with that but it lit a fire underneath me that i haven't had in a while um so when i got home you know it just taking mental notes, taking actual notes, thinking like, okay, 
what do I need to work on? Where did I over, you know, cause the, the racing's so different. Like I felt like I overtrained in some aspects, like focused too hard on certain things and, and kind of, you know, let other things kind of wash away where I was like, man, it's, it's a completely different series. It's a different style of racing. And now going back to this year, I know what I need to focus on. I know, um, where I need to be better. And, you know, the, the team has given me all the tools I need. It's just really applying myself to, you know, be a better, a better racer when it comes time to, to line up again. And one of those things was a comfort, uh, issue. So, you know, our last race was mid October of last year. So Tony and, and Mike Genova, we, we hopped on a conference call and, you know, I, I told them, you know, I, I just want to be comfortable coming in. And, and Mike was the one that was like, well, what do you think about doing Seattle and Glendale? You know, we're already going to be there. You can, you know, hop on a 450 and, and just, you know, no pressure, just go get comfortable, have fun. You know, I just want you to get some gate drops and, and have confidence coming into the world supercross round. So that's really this whole, you know, two race trial that I'm doing is, is, you know, going to pay off big time when it comes to lineup for those guys. So I think this year I'll, I'll be prepared. I'll, I'll know what to focus on at the test track. I'll know what to focus on in my training and uh, we can come in, you know, 10 times more prepared than we were last year. Nice. Hey Cole. So what do you think has changed more? The, the raw speed of everybody itself or the fact that, because you were doing timed races before you, you left, right? You did it at least a season or two of it, right? Yeah. Okay. So you know the, the 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 races go longer, so obviously the track gets rougher. So is it is it the raw speed of the pace itself, or the fact that these guys are able to do that and lap twenty five, twenty six, and still keep a really tight race at the end? Which which one has do you think has uh, changed more drastically? It's both. I mean, it, the the sports evolving every single year, right? I mean, you got guys like Eli and, and Cooper and, you know, even chase sometimes that can hold that pace. Like you said, throughout the whole 23, 25 laps, whatever it is on any given night, um, their conditioning's there. They hit their marks every single lap. Their lap times don't fall off, even though the track's getting a lot more beat up and harder to ride. They're, they're still on the top of their game. Um, but the raw speed I think is also, you know, turned up a notch or two. I think we see that out of chase the most he's, you know, every, any given night is the fastest guy on the track for sure. It's just, um, I think he, he's lacking that last little bit that, that Eli and, and, uh, and Cooper have, you know, being seasoned veterans and, and being in this sport for so long, um, having that experience of knowing like, all right, you know, I, I made a bobble here, but next lap, I'm not going to do that. I just need to focus on hitting my marks. I think Chase might get in his head a little bit, um, probably just because he's so young. I think we all forget that. But um, it's impressive, man. It's it's like I said, I, I mean, I watch these guys every single weekend with my jaw on the floor. Like it is unbelievable how fast they are and how how long they can hold that pace. Um, and that kind of goes back to where what I was talking about earlier was I did not want to get in their way. I didn't want to. <laughs> cause any sort of drama with any of the even in my heat race like when i saw barsha behind me i was like all right this guy's been on it the last two three weekends in a row he's been a potential race race winner all year long and i don't want to have any he actually ran in the back of me going over the wall and i was like oh man like i could have cost him his night right there so kind of you know like i'm trying to be as selfless as possible when i'm out there but um also try and like ride my race stay with my within my means and um keep the keep the goal in mind and that's you know, getting comfortable and 
and learning how to be at speed for an extended period of time again. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if Barsha actually hit you or if it was just close. Because on TV, I think Todd Harris said, oh, he hit him, and it was really hard to tell. I wonder if he actually made contact. Yeah, it was slight. It was very slight contact. But, yeah, he, he bumped me in, in, you know, in my back wheel. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it was probably his fault, but I felt bad about it. I was <laughs> like, oh, man, I don't want to. Yeah. You know, this. I know this guy's been on the podium, I think, you know, now three weeks in a row or something like that. And he's a potential guy. He's also a Troy Lee, uh, a guy like myself. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't want to cost anybody any points that, um, you know, if I wasn't there, that they wouldn't happen. So, you know, kind of follow up my question. It's, it's a little bit of the ultimate, uh, bench racing question, but, and I, you know, I guess the qu- way to, best way to ask it is compared to what capabilities was, there for them to use who do you think is he's actually going faster like sexton or somewhere like in this in the stew villapoto because you rode with both those guys yeah um i mean it's it's hard to compare guys like that like they both they all three have just such insane raw speed um i think i think out of those three though i think villapoto was the more calculated one Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a little bit more like Eli, you know, Eli's got an insane amount of raw speed also, but you can see when he's not comfortable, he, he backs down a little bit. I don't see that in chase, you know, he's just, you know, puts everything on the line, every, every single night, which is, which is very impressive. But, um, I think there's a little bit more calculations with Villapoto. And I think, I think Stuart, you know, when, when the competition was, you know, you know, there were some years where, where Stu was just untouchable when the competition got close. I think you see that comparison to to uh, Chase and Stewart a little bit more, where cool. they both just they they want to be the fastest guys. They want to win every single night. Mm-hmm. And hats off to them. Um, that's you know something that is not feasible for a lot of guys. You know, it's it's when you're not feeling comfortable, it's hard to break through that and, and you know throw caution to the wind and just let her eat. <laughs> but right. yeah, Chase is impressive. He's you know, he's the future of our sport. I think when, you know, when he gets it figured out, those little mistakes he makes, um, he's just going so fast that one little mistake, you know, like a little front end tuck, like he had, or he's had a a few times this year, you know, he's going so fast that those little front end tucks, they, they add up, you know, that that extra five miles an hour that he's carrying to the turn, it's not going to be a a little tip over there that he can correct or has time to correct. It happens so fast. So once he, once he can figure that out, I, I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, nearly unbeatable guy. But you know, then we got guys like Jet Lawrence stepping up to 450, and, and you know that the, the motor, you know, motorcycle racing, supercross, and motocross is in a good good spot right now. We got oh yeah a lot of talent out there. You know, very deep field, and yeah, hats off to these guys because you know I, I've been there. I've, I've been that guy that's you know one of the, the front runners, and it's it takes a lot. But these guys are even faster now, and it's. Uh, I have a lot of respect for them. That's awesome. Uh, Cole, I got just a couple more for you. Um, looking back on your career, any regrets, any decisions that you would have liked to have done differently when you look back? Um, I wouldn't say regrets. No, I don't, I don't have any re- really regrets. Cause I, I, I come from a very modest background. You know, I, my first year in 2009, I was a, I was a, a nobody. I was, you know, I got lucky to land a, a spot on a privateer team and I got lucky to show some speed here and there. And I, after that, I was going to college. Like I was, I was ready to, you know, I just, 
I, I, the guys were just faster than me straight up. And I, I knew that I, you know, I, I got lucky. I got breaks here and there and, you know, signing onto the Troy Lee team in 2010, um, was really a, a lucky thing for me. And so I don't have any regrets. I'm, I'm very thankful for all the people I've got to work with in my, you know, my past career and my new second chapter of my career. Um, and you know, I've, I've had things like, you know, uh, offers from other teams and stuff like, Oh, I wonder, you know, how it would have played out like that. You know, you're always going to wonder that, but you know, I got to ride for factory Honda for five or six years. So that's like, you know, you, you, you don't get much better than that. That's right. like, it's an honor to work for those guys and, and the whole team, the whole corporation has been, you know, really good to me. And, um, I'm very thankful for that. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always that question like, Oh, you know, what if, what if I would have signed a, a KTM or, or somebody else throughout the years and had, what had, what would my career have looked like? You know, you wonder that, but to call it a regret, I think that's a little harsh. You know, yeah. I, I was very lucky to be, to be where I was. And I knew that, you know, I never took anything for granted. Um, you know, I've, I've got to work with Troy Lee for, I've been with him since 2010. So, you know, forever it feels like so it's uh it's been good i'm 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 happy and i I look back on my my factory days with smiles and and you know a very large amount of gratitude towards everybody that ever gave me an opportunity to to race for them that's great to hear uh last question i have is when you are sitting at home and watching these races do you still miss it or are you kind of like yeah i'm I'm a little over it like doing it part-time but do you miss doing it full-time the travel everything um I, no, I don't, I don't miss, I definitely don't miss the travel. Um, it, we, you know, we're spread so thin in these guys, you know, they, it, it's impressive. Like I, I keep saying that, but it's impressive to show that much speed every single weekend and this deep into the deep into the, um, you know, into the season. And yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the sport. I, I'm always going to follow it. Um, but yeah, my wife asked me the same thing, you know, cause I watch it so religiously. She's like, do you ever, you ever miss being out there? And I'm like, no, I don't. It's, I had my time in the sport. I, I got to, you know, live my glory years racing for factory Honda. And, um, I, I, I don't, I don't really miss, I, I miss, I miss the community. Like, um, coming back this weekend was felt really special, you know, like all the riders from, you know, like I did track track walk with Chase Sexton and talking to him and, and Kenny and Christian Craig and, and all these guys that I raced against and, you know, grew you know, great friendships with, you know, and then even like being down on the line and, and, you know, Roger DeCoster w- wishing me luck in my, my main event, like guys that I'm like, man, it, it just feels so cool to come back and, and still feel that, like that bond that, you know, I've been gone for four years and right. they're still happy to see me back. And it was a special weekend, you know, like uh, my wife never got to see me race my, in my professional years. So, um, she was, <laughs> probably more nervous than anybody else in the pit. So it was, it was kind of a special weekend for us. And, Good. Um, I, it, it felt special to be back, like fans welcoming back the, the whole industry. You know, I, I got to see a lot of people that I haven't seen in years and, you know, everybody was very welcoming and it was, it was cool for sure. Great to hear. Cole, I just had one little question last to ask you. Last one. Is there a scenario that exists where, you know, you were, you were 14 after Wyndham was and, the night show needs it. Is there a scenario that exists? You do a free riding well. Was there any possibility that we can start bringing some somebody to do the transfers back? Oh Jesus! Oh man, <laughs> that's not where I thought you were. Going you know when that. I when I when I got the number fourteen, I, I thought about it, <laughs> but it, it, it like you guys know what it's like down there. It's it's so high stress, mm-hmm. and Wyndham was a very special 
individual that could um, make the most fun out of that stressful situation. And I, I don't know. That's, that's, I, I, I mean, I'm not even opening ceremonies anymore. I write for, so I'm not the top 10. Yeah. So um, they would bring you back. Yeah. For that, I don't, though. I don't see that happening. It's yeah. they, in, the jumps he would do. I like, if I had all day at the test track with those jumps, I don't think I could. Do right. Honestly, I think that's the scary part is regardless of your skill level, even somebody like you, that's considered like a lot of people like your style and jumping the hills and stuff. Like I don't get it how he came up with some of the stuff he did on walk around track, walk real quick and would figure out that he was going to go from here from point yeah. A to point. Like it yeah. doesn't. I mean, he, I know that like I've, I had seen him walking the track and like eyeing that stuff out and even talking to like the dirt works crew about like, Hey, can we adjust this so I can jump from here to here? But like, still, like, to take that extra bit of time and that extra little bit of stress is like, yeah. like nobody else is going to do that. That's no. like, <laughs> that's the rest, insane. The rest of you are trying a people to... pleaser and like people's champ for. That's why he was the people's champ for so many <laughs> yeah. years. It's just it's incredible. he's crazy. He's 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 all about it. So I don't think anybody just, else is going to fill those shoes anytime soon. I just love the fact that everybody else is so concerned with how am I going to get through this rhythm lane? <laughs> what line should I use to these whoops? How's this going to break down? He's over there, yeah, looking to work. Hey, can we push up some more yeah. dirt on the backside of his yeah. arm or something? Everybody else has got, they've already got enough on their plate. And yeah, Kevin's just over there yeah. figuring it out. Figuring I want to jump gonna, over the finish yeah, line. <laughs> figuring out when he's going to jump in the dark. Yeah. And then he yeah. had that one, I think it was Dallas. Yep. I think Carmichael oh. recorded him coming up short. Yeah. Like, I remember dude, that. like, like oh, it does sure go I bad know. sometimes, but he's the man. He just brushes it off and probably found a different transfer and still got freaking on the podium that I, night. Like he's just like that's just some like stuff you don't see. And, right. And hats off to him. No, I still have that Dallas one in my phone somewhere. I just yeah. saw it the other day. But yeah. I think that's exactly how that night went. Like he, yeah, he right? did it in the transfer and then podiumed. Right. <laughs> Well, Cole, yeah. hey, we took enough of your time. Cole Seeley brought to you tonight by FXR. Appreciate you coming on. It was great seeing you back. And, uh, yeah, man, look forward to seeing you again in Glendale. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate me having, appreciate you having me on. Anytime, man. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you. All right, see you. All right, thanks to Cole Seeley for jumping on tonight. Again, brought to you by FXR. That was that was fun, man. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to Cole. It's been a while since he's... There's well, been a reason to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I don't even know, Scotty, if you've ever talked to him on the show. No, we, the, it was like my second episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had him on once again after that, actually. All right. Um, got a few more things to get to, ML. Uh, we're not going to talk about Jet winning, but what I want to talk about, the crash in the heat race with him and McAdoo. Like, first of all, like the lap before, there was a close call where Jet jumped... And, and almost ran out of room. I think Cam almost came over, but like just the, him getting so upset. I know it's the heat of the moment and all, but it's, it's racing and he's, he gets, he's real quick. Jed is real quick to be like, that guy's an idiot type thing. And he seemed to calm down by the main event, but I kind of feel a little bit ML, like that might be a character trait that Jet needs to get a, a hold of a little bit is losing his temper. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Debatable. I, would, I would respond exactly the same yeah would, it's it's right the needle it's part of racing it's emotion it's caring it's you could say oh he should get a grip on it but i don't know it's just part of his personality it's part of what drives him yeah, maybe uh, so but even like not, when he's, he's in, not flipping him off he's throwing right. up his hands frustrated because and also cameron like and i and i'm not saying this from the end of like to me it's a total racing incident uh-huh. cameron threaded the tried to thread the needle you have to you have to take opportunities when, when you know doors are open, when yeah. things are rising. However, Cameron 
is also <laughs> done this many times. Um, so yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, it's a racing incident to me. I think Jet has all the right to throw up his hands and be angry at him. I think Cameron had all the right to go for it. It's just part of part of it. Yeah, and I guess I was adding that on top of Scotty, like when when Jet's been in the booth. I think it might have been Arlington where mm-hmm. he called RJ an idiot or somebody called called somebody an idiot. Like he he gets frustrated pretty quickly. He's eighteen, bro. Eh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I I get. Hey, how much when you were eighteen did you look at everything and go freaking idiot, dude? Uh, that was it. I still yeah. do that. So I guess maybe I'm. Maybe I don't know. I should be talking, uh, TJ. Yeah, I don't know. I had kids at 18, so I don't know. But you got kids that are 18 and do dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I um, I think it was... Uh, did y'all watch James Stewart's breakdown of it? No. Uh-uh. It was actually pretty good. And Why are we I, talking about another media? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, because it's James Stewart. I don't care what he does. It's James Stewart. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, is his breakdown is kind of the same thing as what ML said. It was a racing incident. I mean, yes, there was mistakes made, but that's what racing incidents are. You're racing, you're trying to make a pass, and then a mistake happens, and that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's my thing is, like, how – I mean, he can't be that surprised. I mean, you missed the rhythm, and he went for it. I mean, like, I mean, racing incident happens, you know? Speaking of mistakes, not changing your oil or not putting your drain plug in when you're changing your oil, those are mistakes. But when you do change your oil, Motul, give your, for decades, Motul has developed high performance. You can't make fun of me and then mess up the read, man. Synthetic ester-based <laughs> lubricants. reads all night. <laughs> by selecting esters over other high-performance synthetic-based stocks and combining them with an innovative additive, additive <laughs> you know what, from now on, you have to do the reads. Additive okay. package. Motul has created a perfect synergy. This, this most advanced ester core technology allows the maximum power output of the engine without compromising reliability and wear. You can find this in the entire Motul uh, power port. <laughs> I give up. The speech impediment side. So this is why we should pre-record these things. Power Sports product lineup at their online website, shopmotul.com. We can't pre-record this because I don't have five hours to wait for you to nail it the oh, first Oh, come time. on now. The guy that said, used 27 uh, uh, minutes uh, for a question. Oh. Hey, I use good. Hey, I use nice, solid words. I'm not over here fumbling every three seconds. Same Just reads every and <laughs> enter promo code VITAL20 to receive 25 or 20. Perc- I give up. I quit. Oh, my hey, God. Dude, what happened? Are you okay? I'm, I'm in my head now. Nervous side. To receive 20% off your order, $50 or more. I'm out. I I, I'll say something about that Motul. I've run it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, Please like save me. Building, building motors. And you almost can't get that oil off of the gears and stuff oh, yeah. when you split cases, even with carb cleaner. Uh, that ester-based oil does attach itself pretty well, and it probably could have helped him out when he didn't yeah, have a drain plug. I agree. A couple more topics I want to hit real quick. Mumphy, Carson Mumford was on Pro Circuit, made his debut on Pro Circuit. Uh, you know, decent in his heat race, pretty good ride. But what I want to talk about is the history of Pro Circuit. 31 t- total championships, but they haven't won one since 2017. It's mind-blowing. When... Does Mitch just say TJ like I can't do this anymore? I, I, like he, like, if you go look at their history, how many did not races because of injuries over the last ten years? It's unfreaking real. Well, that's the thing that he can hold is it's not about like I don't have the faster bike or my bike's not good enough or you know it's not about the riders not fast enough. 
what's holding his him back is injuries. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think he can't be just like I'm done. It's still got to be frustrating. It's got to be. It's got to be. Well, very I mean, frustrating. you know, you got to. It's on a, at some point. It's kind of life. I mean, like he had years where he was on the podium. All three guys on the podium oh, like, yeah. every single weekend. So you know, it's life. You know, when you look back at it on it on the timeline, it just ups and downs. It's just kind of the way Peaks it goes. And valleys. Peaks and valleys. I mean, it's just unfortunately it's a rough time for them, but. And injury is the cause of it, so it's not the bike. So, I mean, you got to hang your hat on that. <laughs> he's still selling probably a ridiculous amount of products, so I'm sure he's not hurting that bad. Right. And, okay. you know, it's just it's life, man. It's just the way it goes. ML, but still, you you knowing the history with Mitch Payton and how much he loves to win, thankfully he's a little calmer these days, but he's still got to be pulling what hair he has left out. I mean, yeah, anybody would be frustrated. <laughs> I I just feel for him. You know, I think he's he's had kids. His riders are kids. I think he sees it like that more. I I just feel, you know, I I would think from the little bit of perspective I had um, as a account, I can't even, I feel bad. I'm going to say, oh, I'm a team owner. And I'm like even trying to compare myself to Mitch, not not even close. (laughs) Uh, But like you would feel just bad for these guys. Not like you would question things about bikes have things about the bike. Like what could we do to get these guys not hurt? Like there there's times where you care about these people and it would just, I feel for him from probably the frustration, him knowing how much money he puts in, how many hours he puts in what all these guys do um, to see it not pay off. That's got to suck um, from knowing what your reputation is and it not working out. That's got to suck. But then watching people you care about um, continually get hurt, uh, continually get carted off. That sucks. I, I feel like that would, be the worst part of it really at this point um you know again so he's had guys here but to see it this many years year after year and watch some of these guys go through these struggles i would think that would take a pretty big emotional toll on you yeah we need pro circuit to get a win and you know joe shimoda i think that's a guy that he's going to be once he's back that's might be the next guy but do you think he sticks i'm gonna say is he gonna stay yeah that question uh ml probably would have more insight than us yeah because there are there uh, are some rumors. Joe maybe, situation. Yeah, there are some rumors, um, right? I yeah, I think ultimately Joe actually will end up staying. That's that's my prediction. I don't think the HRC thing is going to happen. Um, I don't. KTM had talked to him, but they're they're made kitchen offer. Um, trying to think of what other opportunities won't be star. I, I think ultimately he'll end up at Cowie. I think yeah. they've been a little slow moving. Um, and that's not on people have to understand how that, that situation works. It's not just totally on Mitch. Like Cowie right. has to make decisions that are produce contracts because they actually pay the riders. Um, Mitch's team situation is a little different than how some of the other OEMs work their 250 deals. Um, I think they'll, they'll come together. I know they want to afford the biggest one that detracts me from thinking the Honda thing will happen just from conversation that's known people I know there. I don't think budget wise it'll work. Um, for what they're asking for. Number two, they, from what I'm aware of, from what I've talked to Mertz, is they really want a guaranteed 450 home mm. of some type for Joe. I don't think that happens with everything being in the jet and hunter basket in the future. They've right. made so many comments that they can't run more than two 450s at that level with the kind of expenditures. I know everybody thinks Honda is a bottomless pit of money. It's not. Um, I don't think the Joe thing will work there purely because of the 450 deal. I think Cowie will end up coming back with a multi-year 250 deal with a some sort of 450 option or guarantee. Um, I think they're exploring their options, doing what they, you know, doing what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he ends up staying. I, I will be, I'm not saying he won't leave, but I will be genuinely shocked if he does end up elsewhere. All right. 
I want to move into the Luxon MXGP recap. Luxon, when it comes to triple clamp suspension and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon's advanced engineered pro background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest. Lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. Luxon products are designed, engineered, and made in the USA. So check them out online at luxonmx.com and all orders of $100 or more ship for free. Use promo code MOTOXPOD. Uh, ML, this, the, the most recent GP, uh, was that Sardinia? Is that how you say it? Um, that was a hell of I a like race. Sardines. Huh? I like sardines. Gross. Not really. Actually, Jesus. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Gross, dude. The, the, the MX2 class, I kind of came into the season with obviously almost no understanding or background in MXGPs, thinking that Geertz is just going to walk away. And why, why are we discussing MXGP and MX2 when, when we don't have the right person on the phone? I watched it. Uh, because there was a race this weekend, and Lewis is not here right now. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Kai DeWolf. I, like, I, was, I didn't realize that he really can't run with Geertz, and like, there is, it's not going to be a runaway championship. It's a sand race. That's Kai's specialty. Okay. But what about other rounds? Like I texted Lewis after this. I said, realistically, can Kai DeWolf beat Geertz at other rounds? And he said, yeah, he's definitely got yeah. the ability. I mean, do you agree? No, Kai, no, Kai does. Okay. He's Figure out, um, stay off the ground a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. It's the the whole series right now. I'm just like perplexed still with the qualifying point system. The fact that Gertz is already 30 points up uh, this many races in, I'm just more concerned that in a couple rounds, Gertz will be 60 points up with this qualifying. Yeah, and just take a weekend off. <laughs> yeah, just take it. Loser. It's the same with Prado, right? It hasn't Prado won both the uh, qualifying races? He is leading the points because because uh, I yeah. think. I think if you eliminate the qualifying points races, I think Hurlings would be the points leader right now on MXGP. Don't quote me on that, but I believe Hurlings would be leading the points if we didn't have a qualifying race uh, points. Yeah, and you said you watched it? Yeah, I watched the... The, the highlights? The, no, I watched oh. the GP. The, the MX1. The, the MX2 or MX1 class. Yeah. yeah. MXGP class. Yeah. Oh, did I, okay, they don't call it MX1 I said, did I, So did I, said it, I said it right, Michael? I said yes, GP. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Either well, way. Well, G, no, GP is the event. MXGP is the class. Okay. MX2 is the 250 class. Well, that, that <laughs> second race, again, Thanks. We, we talked about the last <laughs> round, some inconsistencies with everybody's finishes. Mm -hmm. And that there was a few guys that were more consistent this week, but that seems to be the case still with a lot of guys just all over the place. A lot of crashes, ML, at this round. I mean, Sewer and uh, Favra, just everybody hitting the deck. Uh, Renault went down in that mm -hmm. sand, but that second moto with Hurlings, dude, that was just insanely impressive. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, of course, what we expect from him. I think uh, this round's really unique. I know that, like your your classic Lomol or even the Ropozon schedule, like those look really gnarly and menacing because of how deep and bottomless the sand is. But by far, this track looks so much more miserable to me. Uh, a little bit choppier, a little bit tighter in some of the corners. Look like it's much, much harder to carry a flow around this track where the the traditional like Belgium deep sand tracks, the guys can kind of get on top of stuff and rhythm more and carry momentum. Um, this track, you know, a few of the insides they would fall down into. They don't get me wrong. We would see a C class riders like us would look even worse, but there's times where their feet are off their, their dog paddling through stuff. Um, the track was extremely menacing. The amount of, of crashes do not surprise me after watching it. Cause I'm pretty sure I would have fallen as many times <laughs> as the entire class combined in one. Yeah. Lap. 
Well, yeah. I, I think everybody's got to be, and this is a given, I guess, that they need to be worried about Hurlings because I think they, the general consensus was he's going to take a little while to build into mm-hmm. this. And, yeah, he's not maybe the Hurlings of a couple years ago yet, but the way he came through the pack and just passed Favre and Renault uh, in there, it was time to go, and he mm-hmm. went. I mean, he passed those guys – this when he was ready, basically went right by and took the overall. It was very, very impressive. I have a feeling everybody is in for some trouble. Yeah, it's still very early in the season. Um, second round was saying I'd like to see a few more rounds. Um, mm. I cannot count out Prado at this point. Um, Renault has been, of course, fantastic. Hopefully, Jeremy uh, stays off the ground soon again because of the qualifying race format. It's really sad, like how far out he already is on point standings. Just yeah. makes again just beat my head against the wall with. Uh, the way they've structured this. Um, it is very early. And again, this the qualifying races are throwing enough of weirdness into the points. Sure, Hurlings could kill it in a lot of the main motos, but if Prado kind of keeps up the the strategy he's been running so far, not that I don't say like he's purposely like, oh, I'm just going to win qualities and not do good. But if he can mentally put himself in a place to continue to dominate the qualifying races and then put together competitive races against Hurlings on Sundays, you know, he could keep carrying this, this championship at the, again, the qualifying races really throws kind of a weird loop into this whole thing. I was, uh, I have not got a chance to keep up with it the way that y'all have as far as that, but that everybody talked about this qualifying time. I mean, isn't it just another race? Isn't, I mean, like points, I I understand it's points, but it's, it's it's a race. It's only points for the top 10 top guy, right? Or is it all the top top 10? Top okay. 10. Okay. Okay. Per position. That that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry you did bad in one of the races that you didn't get points in, but if he they would have done bad outside the top ten in the main race, they would be behind on points too. I don't understand what the big to do about everybody's freaking out about this. It's a different it's a shorter format. It pays a weird point spread if you have issues. Um qualifying races track can be smooth, guys just ride sketchy. It's just not the same. What the guys are used to doing, it's just I I'm completely against it, hundred percent. I guess it's kind of Such the same way when when they went from Supercross from like a two day practice format to a one day race. I mean, it, it, I mean not for Supercross, I mean uh, outdoor stuff. When they did that here, isn't it kind of the same thing? It changed and riders had to adapt how they did stuff. Yeah, but none of that ever affected the racing was still the same in terms of the points payout. Like this is is it's apples to oranges. Yes, you have to adapt, but I mean to put it bluntly, it's so weird to not consider qualifying races part of the overall. So you have a guy who's staying on the podium. This guy has won the GP of Sardinia. This guy has won the, the MXGP of Belgium, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh yeah, but that guy actually got the most points haul for the weekend. Yeah. The guy who's in third on the podium is actually still leading the points and scored the most <laughs> points on the weekend. Right. What? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was what? crazy that they went from like not giving any points like that to something drastic as 10 for a win. I mean, I can maybe see like like uh, gift pole position a point like you get or maybe two points like you get pole position just two championship points. I think that you know yeah, it makes it a little worth it. It's not really going to change the thing, but ten points for winning a, a yeah, that's, but, that's huge. But second place gets nine points. Third place gets eight points. Yeah, but, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not like that one person gets ten points and nobody gets but, anything. Yeah, Prado, but still, was, Prado was the points leader after the first round and he didn't win. It's confusing. Yeah, like I actually guess. now I look back. I I'm actually I think I'm incorrect. Prado still would be the points leader. That, yeah, qualifying points, but not by not by the gap he has. Much tighter. It would be four. I'm point. sorry that the world changes. 
I'm sorry the world changes, guys, but racing changes. They're trying to make it more interesting, or we would want to. They are making it. uh, As a core fan, I disagree severely, though. They are not making it more interesting. They're making it confusing as shit. Well, don't get me wrong. Like I've, I'm okay. So this is this. I feel like I'm, I'm backpedaling against my usual stuff. I do like, I am a. I always say, you know, my favorite saying is insanity is doing the same thing over again, over and over again, and expecting a different result. However, when you affect something that the majority of fans hate, the majority of riders hate, nobody's on board with. Who are you benefiting? Yeah. Well, they're they're benefiting. They want more fans there to Jorge watch, Prado. watch, right? Well, they want more fans there to yeah. watch the qualifying race. Isn't that the base? The basis yeah. of this? Yes. Make other than a lot of the GPS don't. Well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, some GPS have huge turnouts. Some of the flyaways, it's just glorified paid for races. Mm-hmm. Well, I I don't know enough about this to obviously speak with any knowledge, but the racing is fantastic. I love it. I'm actually more excited watching these GPS than I am watching our national. you joined. I, well, I watched it a couple years ago and I loved it. It just for time restraints, I quit watching it. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. GPs are awesome. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, two more segments: the procs, highs and lows. This is a new segment rooted in racing from motocross to off road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Ampro Yamaha, and SLR Honda. Procs has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. Find Prox at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit prox-usa.com to search parts for your bikes and follow Prox Racing Parts on social media. All right, the Prox highs and lows. Oh, ML, we need to send our sponsors a cookie basket tomorrow. <laughs> hey, you know what, motherfucker? Sorry about my language. You get to read the sponsor reads I'll next do it. Week. Let me see it. Let me see it. Uh, 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 anyway, uh, Scotty, what are your highs and lows from Seattle? What's your high? Um, I was a, I had a different one. I think I'm actually going to put Kevin Moran's pulling the whole shot. That was cool. My other one was going to be, I can tie it to my negative, I guess. Am I supposed to only do my positive? Go ahead. You can do, your, you can do your high you and do your low. You can do what you want, yeah. Scotty. Knock it out. Okay, cool. Um, Just my my low was that, was that the, the championship is now a three or two-way fight and not a three-way chase kind of. Chase happened again. That was my low. It happened again. And then the title fights kind of, you know, just turned into two. But that was also one of my highs was that now we have a tied championship with six rounds left. ML, what are your high? What's your high? My high is uh, Cooper Webb uh, with the finger gun because apparently (laughs) it upsets so many people. The entertainment value is high, including our friend Jamie here. Uh, I'm not uh, my, low, uh, my low is definitely these sponsor reads tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Seattle post show, so yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I can't really. No, we already did that earlier in the week. TJ? Oh no, yeah. That was the that was my low if I, we're gonna oh. do that was that noise. <laughs> and I was texting, <laughs> the dishes. I was texting Lewis getting Jamie. his freaking feet mopped. <laughs> I was texting Jamie going, Is Lewis having to work in a kitchen somewhere to pay his bills? Because it was terrible. But anyways. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so um yeah, my um, my lows were the whoop section was just tiny and it was like not even there. It wasn't even a factor. I don't know. It, just, uh, it made a, it sure was a factor when Eli blitzed through him and passed everybody. I just it was just anyways. That was my low for okay. the, the, the I guess the track design. Um, and then my high was Barsha. Like the dude's riding really good. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean I I guess he's kind of been. For the last few rounds, I'm, I've been a Barsha fan and watching him ride. And then the way that you can tell he's walking around, how confident he feels, even as he gets older, I, I'm, that's my high right now, Barsha. 
Well, my high, my prox high is Adam Cianciarillo, qualifying second, third in his heat, started the main in fourth and was up in third yeah. for a moment. He dropped back to eighth, but he's coming around. He's riding better and better. Uh, he's he's coming back into his own. I think, you know, he's got to get through this season, but I, I'm really happy with where AC's at right now. And then my low is that there's no race this weekend because I don't know what the hell I'm going to do Saturday night. And also Derek Kelly screwing me in fantasy, double points, and then just, I don't know. I know what you could do this weekend. Yeah. Um, right there, there's practice a piece of paper. Practice my rates? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'll have to probably do them because you won't be here next <laughs> week. some homework. Uh, I should be here next week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you're jobless. You look homeless I, and I, you're jobless. I don't look homeless, but I am jobless right now. So Wait, uh, you're jobless? Uh, it's oil Dude, oldfield, man. Oldfield life out here is rough. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. We need more oil. We've got too much oil. <laughs> All right. Last segment is the 6D picks for next week, which there is no race. But since its inception almost 12 years ago, 6D Helmets has been dedicated to, re- to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. From the original ATR1 to its successor, the ATR2, the goal was to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative forward-thinking technology that would change the market, improve the safety capabilities of sports helmets, the helmet is the most important piece of protective equipment with your purchase, so visit 60helmets.com or go to your local dealership, try them on, buy one. They are fantastic. Our picks last week, Scotty, nobody was right, as usual. Who's close? Uh, nobody was really even close. Um, yeah, we all went Web, Sex, and Tomac. Web, Sex, and AP, Sex, and Web, Barsha. So, yeah, we weren't really... Nobody was great. We're not very good with our picks. There mm. are no picks this week. Emil, what are you going to do with your weekend off? Ride my dirt bike. There you go. What, what are you going to do, TJ? Uh, ride my dirt bike. I'm going to ride my dirt bike. What are you going to do, Scotty? <laughs> <laughs> Play golf wishing I was riding my dirt bike. You could ride the two-stroke if you want to come when, ride it. You don't win. Are you going to um, watch I think it? we're going to ride Sunday. We'll, we'll talk off air. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, anything else, Emil, before we wrap this thing up? I think I'm good. Okay. TJ, Scotty, anything else? I'm good. I want to thank Racetech and Boyson as our presenting sponsor. I want to thank all our other sponsors, Prox, X-Brand, Guts Racing, FXR, 60, Luxon, Motul, WUSA. Uh, I want to thank Cole Seeley, Kevin Morans. I want to thank you guys for being here. Other what? Than that, what? You just thanked us. Well, I wasn't thanking you. Oh, okay. Other than that, that's, what I thought. we're out. That's it. <laughs>